Welcome once again to Cult Following, a local podcast brought to you by four film fans who decided to stop being polite and start getting real here on Cult Following. I'm one of your four hosts, Victor Moreno, along with Joshua T. Ruth. The audience is now deaf. Kirby Nelson. And Jasperino. Oh, boy. Every time you keep using that real world one, I keep thinking that, what am I, puck over here? And then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know you're like Muhammad or Jed. <laughs> That's true, too. We're explorers in the deeper reaches of cinema. Angels to some, demons to others. If you like what we're chatting about, feel free to give us a follow on iTunes at Cult Following. And we do film reviews and all kinds of chicanery at Cult Following. Co. On this episode, we're going to do a little uh, retrospective throwback to the career of George A. Romero, father of the zombie genre. Big ups. Big ups. Boop, boop. We're also going to be talking a little bit about all the uh, entertainment news coming out of San Diego Comic Con, which officially starts today. And we're going to just uh, have our general film chats and, you know, what we've been watching, what we've been doing. So let's uh, kick it off with who who really wants to start today? Um, oh, hey, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, I don't have much here. Um, but uh, so I I did want to mention we probably I don't know if you want to get to uh, the the uh, the very loud elephant in the room um, as far as Dunkirk. And if you want to get to that a little later, if you want to talk about that first. Oh, we can talk about it. During um, this. Cool. So, you know, we'll get to that in just a second. But, um, you know, as far as uh, there was something I wanted to bring up. Um, so I'm I'm going to L.A. this weekend. OK, um, so I'm going out there for a, a music festival. And uh, I think I remember telling you guys when I was there last time, I went to the Chinese theater and I saw uh, Wonder Woman. Okay? Yes. Um, and I saw this movie in like the clearest, most beautiful 3D I've ever seen in my life, like absolutely gorgeous. Um, and it had, uh, you know, had like these weird 3d glasses oh yeah you were talking mm. about those glasses yeah and they were like mirrored on both sides of them yeah. um and uh and so like and i looked on the side it said it said dolby atmos on it right or dolby atmos uh-huh. like on the side of the glasses so i was like i was trying to figure out what i was watching you know was this like is dolby atmos like because so i looked on the dolby atmos website and they have dolby atmos 3d and so I was like, is that what I was watching? Mm. But so I was trying to get to the bottom of figuring this out. And the reason is, is I'm going to be in L.A. this weekend. The music festival I'm going to, like the shows don't start till like six or seven at night. So on Saturday and on Sunday, I'm going to have this time to just kill in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to hit up, you know, like Gallery 1988s and Hero Complex and things like that. But um, I really, really want to see Valerian. In the coolest possible way I can. Oh, right. Because that movie has really good 3D. Super good 3D. And, um, you know, I loved the movie. I can't wait to see it again. And, like, a bunch of my friends who I'm going with, they also want to see Valerian. So I'm trying to figure it out. And um, I don't know, guys. Like, it's really, really confusing. And, like, I don't know. Like, we're the guys that are supposed to know this stuff. Okay? Mm -hmm. You know, I thought about this with Dunkirk. Okay? Because... Dunkirk has all these different ways that it's being screened, right? You've got, like, the regular screen, okay? Then Cine Capri. You've, you've got, you know, yeah, you got Cine Capri. You've got IMAX. Um, you've got uh, IMAX 70 millimeter. You've got non-IMAX 70 millimeter. You've got IMAX with laser. Um, you've got all these different ways to be able to see this movie. 
And, you know, I've had all these people ask me, like, well, where should I go and see it, right? And I had a friend, and this is also super confusing. So, like, I had this friend, he uh, he messages me, and he goes, uh, you know, so it looks like the AMC at Westgate says IMAX 70 millimeter, okay? Well, that's news to me because they on... They can't run that. Right. On, yeah. and they And he showed me a screenshot of it, and it literally says IMAX 70 millimeter. So now I'm like, are they just lying to people? Uh Here's my take on uh-huh. that. They might have brought in a 70 millimeter IMAX projector and running the audio through IMAX digital. Okay. Which is a lie. Right. You know, because you're expecting, but it's not. You know, this is one of those. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. The audio is probably IMAX digital audio and it's probably a 70 millimeter projector. Okay. But if I went to that, I would be pissed off. Right. Because I would expect, like, a real IMAX, not a LIMAX. And there is an actual, like, website. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, oh, the, I mean, the LIMAX is, like, such a big thing. And uh, on the actual Dunkirk website, it says um, that Grand Canyon is the only place where you can actually see it in actual IMAX 70 millimeter in the whole state of Arizona. Yeah, because they used to have a 70 millimeter projector at Arizona IMAX until Harkins bought it. And then right. they got a digital IMAX projector. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They yeah. totally, uh, you know, fit that new one. So then, so I get down to try and, well, now I want to see the I'm just, I'm just, right now. No, no, no. It's just more like Limax. It just sounds like a Mad TV sketch or something <laughs> like well, Living it, Color. Here's what, here, but I, no, it is true. Like, I mean, that's a big part about IMAX. The I think we time, have to explain to people Yeah, the well, I mean, for me, IMAX, I didn't see my first show till 20 years ago in IMAX or so. And that was Independence Day. And I saw that in San Antonio. Right. Um, and I couldn't believe it. It was the first time I'd ever seen an IMAX screen. I just couldn't believe how huge it was. But the uh, like uh, following IMAX shows, I mean, I, I have a buddy uh, who I talk about sometimes on the podcast, uh, my buddy Brennan, a.k.a. Mr. B. And he's he's a theater veteran of over 25 years. And he was a projectionist. And, you know, he wants really try explaining. You guys might be able to more, but it is that whole theaters used to be designed for very specific purposes, especially in the the film days. Now that it's digital, it's much um, it's actually harder, I guess, now to do to change things up mm. like the way it was. Yeah, because I mean, there was a whole sound system. It, it's kind of like even back then. I remember in the, the mid 90s when like. God, it was like THX fever. Oh, and yeah. People just thought THX was sound, but THX was picture as yeah, well. But like, it's also a certification system, system, which is why people are like, oh, is there a way to see a movie in THX in Arizona? I'm like, no, because nobody wants that. They want Dolby Atmos. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but, you know, talking about just the idea of like IMAX versus LIMAX is that so here in Arizona, at least, and if you're not listening in Arizona, um, you know, as far as, well, let's say around Phoenix, we have one single true IMAX. Yeah. Um, and it's the one at Arizona Mills. Mills yeah. yeah. Um, it's got the full stadium seating that's like really, you know, high stadium seating, right? So that it's not going back as much as going up. Um, you know, as far as that stadium, like really narrow stadium seating. Um, and that's good. It's obviously. literally nosebleeds like yeah, yeah, yeah. where you don't feel like that, right. but it feels like you're at like a concert or yeah. like a, yeah, a, a multiple yeah. story yeah. screen. Is yeah. What it is. yeah. You exactly. really feel like, yeah, you're elevated versus up. like 
AMC Desert Ridge. Or a million of them, dude. Like, almost well, every yeah, AMC that was has a, one now. Well, yeah, because De- Desert Ridge and... Uh, that shitty one out in Deer Valley Junction or whatever. Deer yeah. Valley 30. Yeah, yeah. yeah. started like doing it. these, like, oh, IMAX. I remember this happened when The Dark Knight came yep. out. I was like, oh, I want to see this in IMAX. And I went out to go see it at um, on the... Was it Signal Butte Road? Yeah, that's the one I'm oh, talking yeah, about. Yeah, that one out And there. I'm like... This isn't an right. IMAX screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and it's like, to me, I think people know what an IMAX is, so making IMAX an audio system just confuses the whole ordeal. Yeah, most people, I mean, the thing is, most people I talk to, they don't know. Like, they don't know that they've been going to a LIMAX this entire time. And they, you know, and I try and tell people, like, yo, you've got to go to the one at Arizona Mills. It's the only true IMAX that we have here in the, in the city. Um, you know, I'm just like, oh, really? Well, I've got an IMAX right across the street. It's like, no, you really no. don't. And then so it just seems like, and somebody did bring up on, you know, on, on one of the Facebook comments, they brought up an interesting point. Where they said, well, look, I mean, you know, IMAX is allowing this, right? IMAX, they kind of sold their name. That's to me is the big deal is, is that, like, so many brands are, are unbelievably protected, but IMAX doesn't seem to care about yeah. anything. They, they used to be, and I think once they started doing the audio certification, which is what I think most of these places have, mm-hmm. and a lot of these places just started making slightly bigger screens to be like, oh, we have an IMAX theater, wink. Right. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um. So you know. The, in, so I I apply this logic. Right. I'm taking this science and I'm trying to apply it to going to see the best possible Valerian experience in LA this weekend. And so I'm trying to research like, does is there a Dolby atmosphere? Basically, I want to see it in the same thing I saw Wonder Woman in. Right. That was uh-huh. the clearest, best 3D possible. Well, I would think if you see it in the same theater, they'll be using the same system. Well, the problem is that Wonder Woman was IMAX and Valerian's not. And uh-huh. so it's not the same auditorium because that's an IMAX auditorium. And, of course, they're playing Dunkirk what in that auditorium. What about the Cinerama? Um, that's a, that's an interesting point. I can, I can try and look it up. Well, the thing um, with Cinerama is they're projecting it on oh, the curves. That's screen. true. So yeah. you can't do 3D. It's the yeah. same reason they yeah. don't do 3D. At well, the, no, no, no. I was three. thinking more just for the, yeah, I mean, I know you said the 3D was an important component, oh, but so I was thinking yeah. of the best, largest screen experience that I'm aware of. And I don't know, my buddy that I just mentioned, they, I didn't know he went and saw The Force Awakens. They had to drive to San Jose and they're from uh-huh. L.A., was the only theater showing it in actual 70 millimeter. Interesting. IMAX, period. Yeah, well, and when I looked at the Dunkirk website, like, there was nothing in actual Los Angeles. Like, in Los Angeles, there's no place playing actual 70 millimeter IMAX. The one at the Chinese Theater, which is where I saw Wonder Woman, is doing IMAX with laser. Um, So that's, I mean, I just felt that was amazing as the one in Hollywood isn't even actually doing the 70 millimeter. But so then I start to look up Valerian, right? And I look up um, and I see that it's in basically the two options I've got are digital 3D or real D. Okay. Yes. And so I'm sitting here and I'm looking and I'm trying to find, okay, well, which one, which one should I see it in? So then I find that the Chinese theater. The other one's in D-Box, bro. Well, they had D-Box, but that's such a joke, right? Um, But so then I find that the one at the Chinese theater actually has, um, it's non-real D3D. It's it's just regular digital 3D, but it has Atmos, um, Dolby Atmos sound. Wow. Um, so that was the one I was going to check out. Uh, so this is going to make people like crazy. crazy. Oh yeah. But you know what it really, it made me like? crazy. No, dude. No, no. What makes me laugh is thinking about just, uh, Joshua here 
with a, an Excel spreadsheet doing like oh, X's no. in, in the different categories. No, no, you don't that's... understand. It gets even worse. Okay, so then I find out that there's this thing called DX. Have you heard of DX? Um, suck it. So, <laughs> so DX is apparently, and I look it up because they've got Cinemark da 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 grove with dx right and i was like what's dx and apparently dx is bigger than imax it's a floor-to-ceiling screen and wall-to-wall screen that they only have one theater at like in the whole area of la right so i'm like and this one and i look and it's playing valerian but get this it's only playing valerian in 3d on sunday night at 11 p.m and it's playing it in non-3d the rest of the shows on sunday and then on Saturday, it's playing Dunkirk. And, and of course, I can't go to that 11 p.m. on Sunday because I'm going to be This is a... what's going to make this super hard for you is Valerian versus Dunkirk. Oh, dude. Because Dunkirk yes. is going to take all it's that true. real estate. 100%. Yeah. And I think that that kind of gets down to one of the th- big concerns that I have uh, about just this weekend in general. I think, and I'm really afraid, it's, I really think Dunkirk is just going to eat Valerian's lunch. I, I don't know why they're opening against each other yeah. i think it's really stupid but... i think valerian might do really well internationally um but you know i well, definitely it's completely independently financed from what i heard right and, which is why it's so expensive but that's also why they're not really worried about it making money which yeah oh weird. it's a huge overseas market yeah, so... like without a doubt and dunkirk has a uh, to me has a much you know limited audience in my personal view being mm. honest no, no no just from a perspective of you just had like you know, all these blockbusters. Sure. It's kind of that, it's not a dump month thing, but yeah. it's a more of a lull because the summer's running out of steam. Right. Like, it just is. I mean, it, it happens almost every year. And they kind of, you know, uh, that's the whole thing. We talked about this, I know, on a past podcast, you know, bringing up how tent poles are now to like 2030. You know, right. they're like planning stuff out and it's getting so hard. It, I mean, there. I mean, I think the war drama in all ways and shapes and forms always has a market. It's uh-huh. not like westerns, which only get like a, a revival every ten to twenty years sure. that has real success. I mean, I, Magnificent Seven did well, but I mean, you know, I don't think we're gonna see another Unforgiven anytime. Like. It, until somebody really redefines the right, genre, right. people would argue maybe like the Dark Tower. Or I kind of think but... that westerns are dead. The Dark Tower, just to tell you how afraid I am for that movie, <laughs> comes out in like what two weeks, August fourth. Yeah, I don't see any advertising for it. Today I learned that movie is ninety five minutes long. I do see a lot of it on um, on Facebook and stuff, but that's mostly because like I follow Stephen King, and Stephen King's been shilling. Yeah, he's doing his movie. new um, one where he's actually in it going, you know, this is the most, this is the thing I can't let go of. And I'm sitting there going, well, yeah, 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 <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure you dedicate a good chunk yeah. of your life to this. Right. But no, I, I, I see where Victor's coming from, though, that they're well, like, it's it, a hard, it's it hard to market. It's September and I can't get away from like, yeah, that's true. And people talking about it. I don't hear anybody talking about Dark Tower. Yeah, I think it's going to be very, very disappointing, dude. Like, and it's funny because Stephen King even like he posted out. He's like, the runtime of, of Gunslinger is ninety five minutes, lean and mean, just like the first book. It's like, yeah, but this isn't just the first book. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just Stephen King will he'll show for anything. Like, I mean, just whatever. If it has his name on it, he knows mm-hmm. he gets a piece of that money. I mean, I love Stephen King to death, right? but he, yeah, he knows how to market his <laughs> own stuff. Kid. Yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, he, it is, but it's hard to do now. I'm mean, like I said. That's what I'm just talking about in general's competition. 
And it's like, I, I could see Dunkirk, like, people going and seeing it. I just don't, it, it really actually does have the same conundrum that Valerian does. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge to market it to people. Marketing is so hard. Like, people don't even realize. It, I mean, there's so much competition for attention. I right. mean, lo- and look how complicated you just explained, like, how to go and see a Dude, movie is. that's what I'm Let saying. alone what to go see. And people, and that's the thing is, is people are going, well, I can either just get it on my, what do you call it, like fire stick or, you know, I can download it and people and theaters are going, well, no, but if you want the experience the way it was intended and and then that's the competition we mentioned before with like, um, you know, reclining seats Mm -hmm. and some of the more plush amenities or food service or wine and beer delivered to my theater bed well and, exactly. and see here's the thing this is why i it's brought gonna that whole turn thing into up. the boondocks it's gonna become <laughs> the itis and people are going to have beds i i do firmly believe that and then they're as gonna have to deal with the fucking button. yeah exactly you know it's and you got me i mean i'm i'm yeah, married and i have kids man i'm i'm just happy if i can make it to a theater to see a movie right. before it comes out on blu-ray I could give a fuck what I see it in. Yeah. Most You're kind of, of a time, dollar store dad. Now. Most of the time, yeah. I'm gonna say I'm like, the I'm the old married guy here. I guess most of the time I'm catching my shit at the dollar theater right. in the uncomfortable fucking seats and uh, stale popcorn. And when I saw when I saw uh, Alien Covenant, there was something on the screen, like literally, like somebody had thrown a hot dog or something <laughs> at the screen. <laughs> Oh and God, there was I've a totally smear. Experience that. And let me, at, and at let the me tell you this: so it's like there's like a soda splash yeah. all over the screen. <laughs> and let me tell you this: I had the time of my life because I actually got to go see a movie at the theater. Right. Yeah. And so, you really got to enjoy all those Liberty Mutual commercials. Yeah. So you know, if, really if I'm dropped out in silent, just don't mind me. I just, I don't. <laughs> you know, here's the funny someday thing. maybe when I'm retired. See, you guys are, you guys are single. You don't have any kids. This was a big deal to me when I was like. 23 but now i'm just happy to get out of the house without some kids all right that's me, an you know? on that's an on-air yeah. promise jasper we're gonna take you like full-on red carpet for an imax experience. yeah dude we gotta like, get you to I, let me tell you this the last time i was in an imax my daughter who is 21 now was in third grade and her class went to see beauty and the beast oh wow, the cartoon dude yeah that's all, and it was the IMAX at Arizona Mills. Yeah, that was, I think, the last time I stepped foot in the dude. IMAX that thing theater. would blow your mind now. Yeah, man. yeah. Um, yeah. take you to IMAX. Yeah, we'll yeah. Go. yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. let's get it done. We'll we'll get, we'll get some time scheduled aside right. for you. We'll but say we're recording need a podcast. You to look at the survey and decide which choices you like, right? and which boxes. <laughs> See, um, you know, and that that was that was, and I, I illustrate this for a reason. I think that they just need to make shit easier, man. Like, I mean, right now, there's so many different experiences and ways to see these movies. Um, if they just would have put like Valerian and said, here are all the formats that this movie is in. Here's what all these formats mean. Choose which one you want. And here's the theaters where it's playing in this format. Well, I have an interesting question. I guess maybe I, I literally know nothing about mm-hmm. this, but is anything proprietary? Like who owns? Does anybody own? Everybody any owns a different form format. Right. Right. I was going to so say like, like Harkins has one, AMC has one. Specifically, does anybody know who owns which one? Like I well, really don't pay much like, attention. You know, IMAX obviously owns IMAX. Uh, yeah, exactly. 3D. Sure. I think Real D 3D might be Sony. I'm not. Is but it, they license that for yeah. IMAX because I went. But that's the thing. Like, it's this is Disney what we're talking has about. Yeah, exactly. 3D. Yeah. There's audio and there's video. video. Yeah, you yeah. can have audio from yeah, one exactly. guy, video That's from I mean. somebody yeah. else. So I will say this, though, that so what I think 
um, I think I, I got to the bottom of it. I think that what I saw Wonder Woman is in was IMAX 3D with laser. Uh-huh. And that the sound was Dolby Atmos. Yes. And that's what I'm pretty sure I saw Wonder Woman in. So although I don't have the option I have decided upon, um, we're going to see Valerian at the Chinese theater with regular digital 3D, but with Dolby Atmos sound. Um, and that, uh, you know, because it's a Chinese theater, everything I've seen there has been impeccable. It's the one where, like, they have the premieres and stuff, so everything's always calibrated perfectly. So that's what I've come down upon. But I do have a prediction, um, and I'm curious, actually, Victor, to ask you, because you've seen the movie, um, what do you think uh, Dunkirk's going to do opening weekend? I have no idea, because... There's critics already calling it the best movie of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to get a lot of people who are going to be happy to see a movie during the summer that isn't a comic book movie. That older audience with money, um, and people who like Christopher Nolan. My guess would be that it makes whatever Inception made when it came out. Yeah, or, yeah, like or, yeah. See, I don't. I, I don't think see, it's a little I higher. I don't see that happening. I think it's but, higher. But it may. Like it surprises to me when I saw the I'm trailer. Saying 80 the, million. the first mm-hmm. time I'm si- now. See, I think that's not like that's a reasonable figure to me in a point. Well, Inception, but, I think only made sixty, and it's yeah, weekend. and it might make some close to that. But I mean, honestly, the first mm-hmm. time I saw Dunkirk, I'm like the Christopher Nolan name is a part of it. Right. But I'm like, this is a Fox News looking movie to me. Right. No, I just I just mean that like that's the crowd i see going to a lot of these movies like i think they're gonna be really surprised they are like a saving private ryan like i consider that kind of like the modern standard of people Mm -hmm. who have this expectation for like a first rate war it's the shawshank redemption of war movies because believe Mm -hmm. me i saw that thin red line in like the same you know year year and a half span or whatever two years span and i mean the difference, so many people went and saw Thin Red Line thinking it was going to be Saving Private Ryan. Right. And that's where I'm saying, like, with war movies, you really got to... This movie... Hard to find an audience. Having seen it, and then this is the reason I think it's going to just completely clean up this weekend, is because it's not that movie. It's not. It tries... It redoes the visual language of war movies. Yeah, it really does. It's and like I a think horror movie in it, a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, I think that this movie is going to get... Um, the word of mouth audience like True. nuts dude like well, no the, i believe that yeah. one. there's and like believe, almost no dialogue in it. yeah it's and i believe super weird and i believe like i said um there's a there's a segment and stuff but it's it'll be interesting to see i mean obviously like i said you saw um i i saw war of the planet of the apes did um bested spider-man homecoming which is you know you kind of you know most films they kind of go well if we get our if we can capture the weekend and then we can clean up the rest overseas. We're in, we're in the black, you know. That's what the studios look at. Now, if we can hold on like two, three weeks, you know, wow, more power to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even know what's coming out the, this next the weekend after this. I well, mean, and anything? I think that that's a reason that Dunkirk's going to make a lot of money. It's it going to have legs. Um, yeah. So you know what? You know, the reason I think about things like this is I do think about like you mentioned the Fox News kind of audience, right? You know, but I think that that's just it's not even we don't even have to parse it down that little. I mean, we can just say grandma and grandpa, uncle, you know, well, and uncle, saying. right? It, you know, it's, it's like, like a half and half crowd. It's like like a lot of people. I remember when we did the podcast a while back with um the Revenant, like mm-hmm. had like a huge amount because of the Oscar buzz because of sure. all the things. But I mean. I'm pretty sure I was the youngest person in that audience. So I'm not disagreeing with you yeah. on it. The older one, it's just interesting to me that 
um it it kind of all comes down to what i was saying earlier with the um the summer movie thing mm-hmm. having a lot of issues figuring out how to keep studios have a hard time like there's some studios obviously have what was the one that did uh Baywatch and like has done like two or three other ones, but they have they've had like the most failures this year. Mm-hmm. Sony um, is it? Sony? Was it Sony? It's one of them has had. I like, just assume failure with Sony. <laughs> <laughs> but they've lost like four or five movies this year, and a lot of other studios, you know, are kind of going, "Oh shit!" It might like, be Paramount. I don't yeah, know. I can't. I think it's Paramount. The thing actually. is, though, I can't see them looking at a movie like Baywatch and expecting it to have been a big hit. I don't know. I mean, you just you never know. know. Look at it's that, that, like the it, formulas. Like, oh. We'll put the rock in it. Yeah. 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 Did anyone expect the hangover to like be a hit? You know, I mean, that's, that's the thing is that like sometimes you just never know when these like. Yeah, but a comedy is like a horror movie. Right. You usually don't have to put a huge investment yeah. in exactly. to get your payoff. You're right. Like, yeah. that's a great example. Like, where people don't expect. I mean, but to me, that kind of started with, uh, what do you call it? Like, I would say like old school four year old version when they started the whole like frat pack thing, sure. like because they were making those on like for nothing, and that's and that's the hard part. That's becoming what is the issue with comic book movies is going well. How much did this cost? I mean, well, I mean, not even that. It's like the Hangover didn't cost that much money. No, to it make. didn't at all. But Hangover Two cost a fuck ton of money, money to make, yeah. and then it totally lost the audience it just tried to it was re-engineer like, everything like oh no now now we got a giant hit so let's film it in thailand and right. do cameos and all this shit and then they lost money so I'm like all right well, well we better make hangover three yeah yeah and they did they had to <laughs> but i mean and then you see a movie like the first time i saw the fast and the furious trailer i was like really like people this is gonna be and it's huge, and the second one fails, and then it bound its legs again and made like eight more movies. So you ne- or seven more movies. You know, you never know. Right. It's I'm, tough. I'm just waiting for the studios to realize that you can't take a show that was a hit on TV in the 70s or 80s or even the 90s with Baywatch and release it in theaters as a comedy. No. Yeah. I'm you not, know, Chips. I was just gonna say. Really? I actually just watched Chips. I'll just say that's one of the ones. And holy shit. Even though whatever I then got for fifty cents at the red box, yeah, I like it back. That movie, I really it's, would. It's yeah, really that's funny. the thing. Like, I won't even, I won't even waste my ninety minutes on it. it it's not because I, I know what I'm getting into, and I have no interest in it. It's really funny they keep doing that formula over and over again. The re reengineer the TV show as comedy. Oh, yeah, it, never it worked works. for twenty one. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, yeah, for exactly. That's, that's the one. That's I want what it is. It time. works. Every yeah. 10 years, yeah. like it worked for like the Brady Bunch, sure. and it worked for 21 Jump Street, and then they all decide to do it, right? and then none of them hit. So it's like, yeah. we'll keep trying until it hits, yep. but it's worked, I guess it's worked enough that they keep trying. Right. Because I think Dukes of Hazard made money. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, or again, it's how much you put in, and then they're like, well, man, if we make enough, then hey, and that's what they're going. And Adam's family. Adam's yeah, family, Adam's yeah. family and stuff. I mean, I wouldn't I think Adam's family was kind of different, though. Yeah, I wouldn't say they turned that into a comedy. Because it was a comedy already. Yeah. But that's also, you could say, too, I mean, I think of Adam's family in the same six months as uh, Wayne's World. And when mm. they started doing the SNL sketches yeah. as shows, and they were like, well, Stuart Smalley's <laughs> this, this it's Pat. They That's gotta something work. that totally died off too. Like yeah. all the S- That's because SNL gets sucked now. Yeah. There's no really big. There's no more Wayne's World. Even I liked uh, one of the movies that probably didn't do as well, but I really enjoyed was Superstar. 
Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> and, you know, but that was probably one of the... I think that was the, the last one. Well, that was probably one of the last right? ones. Or wasn't it Stuart Smalley Saves the World? No, that was before... Stuart um, Saves his family. Yeah, because yeah. there was like... Because uh, Wayne's World begat... Be, it's biblical almost. Begat Coneheads. Coneheads right. begat like... You know, yeah. you start... Night at the Roxbury. Night at the Roxbury was one of the last ones yeah. too. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. Night at the Roxbury. Coneheads to me is one of these really weird ones because whenever I try to think of the movie i only think of subway commercials <laughs> <laughs> consume mass quantities right um i definitely think that uh that they're kind of going in a different direction now with like um like the lonely island is instead doing like pop star you yeah. know oh, like so they're not well, i was trying to think i think yeah. mcgruber is one of the right only mcgruber is the last one <laughs> was yeah, the only like yeah. modern and like it's awesome cast, yeah. cast one i can think see they're of. not all bad and that's the thing so it's like if we can keep getting the shitty ones to get a mcgruber that's that's okay with but me. i think it's because you know snl doesn't do that kind of those sketches yeah. the way they used to they definitely don't do um like, I don't think of a lot of SNL characters. And I also think that that was because of a change. It was, like, the short format, like, uh, the Lonely Island, the, what do you call it, the their digital short ones mm-hmm. where it became, like, you Which know. Which really it, is where the, yeah. Yeah. most of the talk is coming from. Yeah, now they cast, like, the actors and roles similar, like, well, plus a lot Christmas of, party. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of that, a lot of the old sketches that became movies had everything to do with the actors. Because if you notice... Uh, Wayne's World. Mike Myers went on to do the Austin Powers movies. Yeah. You know, uh, stuff like that. Uh, Will Ferrell. I think character-based comedy is kind of... But Will Ferrell went on to be his own. You you know, the movies that he was good in didn't have anything to do with SNL. Speaking of uh, Will Ferrell, I think uh, you're showing Step Brothers Friday night, are you not? Oh, yeah, tomorrow. That's going to be fun. Or... Possibly tonight, or possibly in the past. Oh, yeah. By the yeah. time this posts, you'll probably <laughs> have missed it. So, <laughs> but uh, hey, that you know, I bet it was awesome. Yeah, um, we're trying to do more of these pop up screenings now. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So just always, always watch that cult classic. But is that going to be in seventy millimeter laser <laughs> at the pool? Yeah, because check the check the spreadsheet. I, I, buddy. To, I really need to make check sure before I go, before I commit. Um, so uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I understand that that's getting in the weeds and everything, but I'm going to L.A. Oh no, I'm not. I'm um, not laughing um, about that. Yeah. I'm laughing more <laughs> that as as truly as the consumer. Right. One of the things that you brought up that I think is actually like on point 100% is that they're supposed to have these websites that are like so detailed. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck does a movie have a website for anyways now besides like shit half of it is here's how to download your Snapchat filter. Yeah, man. And like they don't have a purpose anymore. But one of the ones they do serve a function is to say like real minutiae that like cinephiles care about because they used to do that more like this is not only where it's playing if it was a smaller independent feature but if you wanted to see it in a specific format like to me that's where a valerian like has a lot of success and you know normally i wouldn't even which by the way at war uh, dawn or war of the planet of the apes is the first time i've seen the valerian trailer in any film this oh, really? year so far period. interesting yeah i had to go to yeah. youtube to see it i used to see it all the time but they used to show it in like imax actually even though it's not an imax movie they were showing the trailer in imax um but uh but you know i i don't know i just uh again like 
it normally wouldn't be making as big of a deal, but I'm going to L.A. I want to see sure. a movie. I want it to be special. I love Valerian. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. I want to see it the best way as possible. No and doubt. it was just mind-boggling to me how difficult they made that process. For me, somebody who understands that the thing. Yeah. I can understand. And, and when you see stuff like that, you go like, well, it's kind of no wonder that the you know, theaters are maybe struggling, right? And that they, they, they have to, you know, people are just wanting to stay home more and more often. And I think part of it, too, is theaters have no incentive to tell you which version of 3d is better right it's literally it's like we have 3d that's better than 2d because that makes us five dollars more yeah they don't want it to be a thing where the consumer knows what's going on because we're like what kind of 3d do you have yeah because then like well and and the thing is most people your your run-of-the-mill moviegoer like we were talking about before, is going to go to the theater that's closest to their house. Yeah, Speaking they of, could really yeah. give a crap, and they don't, you know? probably don't even know what movie they're seeing when yeah. they leave. Exactly. Yeah, and, I, I, yeah you... and I think I just want to say this real quick because Josh, I think you and I will be on the same page with this. The funny thing about that, on the flip side of it, you're also the guy who is also me that would seek out an old movie in 35 millimeter, right? Yeah, because and and that has nothing to do. Well, it does have to do with sound and, and video quality, mm-hmm. but on the opposite end of the spectrum almost. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I mean? Totally. Well, and totally now, I honestly think half the people who are like, I, I'll, I'll even say more than that. Half the people who are like, oh, I, w- I need to see Dunkirk in 70 millimeter, don't really know why. Wouldn't like, know the they difference. Might think, Good point. They might think it's like the giant IMAX. It's true. You know, it's yeah. all you're getting. I, is, I, I had to explain to somebody yeah. just at work today what is 70 millimeter. You know, I mean, most people don't know that. Um, but, uh, I do think we, I mean, we should talk about Dunkirk. I mean, it's the big release this yeah. week. So, um, you know, I mean, so what did you think about Dunkirk, uh, Victor? You saw it as well. I mean, there's a part of me that doesn't really want to tell people too much about it. Yeah. Going in. Yeah. Well, I don't um, think Jasper and I, I, well, actually Jasper just let him know. He I'm, hasn't seen it. I'm not going to so spoil it at all. I haven't yeah, seen it I'm either, just going to yeah. say this, like. I bet stuff if, blows up. If you can see it. Uh, in a big a screen as loud as possible. Yeah, the less you know, the better. I would say that the uh, the the seventy. You know, I haven't seen it in a seventy millimeter. Yeah, but I can definitely say this. I mean, unless you can see it in a seventy millimeter IMAX, I would highly recommend seeing it in an IMAX as opposed to uh, just a regular theater. Yeah, seventy millimeter. I don't think there's like any point at all to seeing this movie in like just oh, it's just playing. Could your... you imagine it with just like sound that was just normal? You know, I mean, I'm sure it would still be an impacting film, but the sound is such a character in this film. And that's why, you know, when I wrote my review, I did kind of stay away from any real plot yeah. details. I wanted to explain the experience of seeing the film. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say just, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to be so oblique that we don't even kind of give people some kind of a primer. I'm just just understand this is a war movie like nothing you've ever seen. I mean, it's it's uh, it almost feels Kubrickian in a weird way in the in just the pure experience aspect of it um you know something that i mean i'm not going to call it a 2001 in terms of actual how the film is but in terms of very light dialogue in terms of you know you are moving from experience to experience um but it's also not something like a thin red line where it's like poetic yeah right no it's it's not like that at all i mean to me it's like it is a Christopher Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. You get that right away. There's surprises when you're watching it. Um, and I think it has, a, you know, the typical really good, like, Christopher Nolan ending. Like, you know, like, when you watch, like, The Dark Knight, and it's like, oh, man, that was such a good ending. Right. Yeah. And, and 
this movie just starts in yeah, like something's happening and it's just like a like a flight movie like it's characters trying to get away from something yeah and halfway you're just like fuck there's no way out of this yes and it's just, do you know what i just realized yeah. and I, I did not know this maybe you knew this but that it was 26 miles was the distance wow yeah well, isn't that, that just a, stunning and it's a true story too it's yeah. Really yeah. yeah 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 um, you know, but that's the idea is, I mean, seeing what these people go through and then the fact that they're 26 miles away from home. It's crazy. It does seem much bigger. Yeah. I mean, it really, really does. Um, and so, and so that, that just kind of brought things a lot more home to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll just say that this movie is, um, and this is why I think that this movie's going to make a ton of money because what I think is really fascinating about this film is that it takes that aspect of that kind of saving private Ryan, that this is a movie I'm going to take my parents and grandparents to, but then it is like one of the most thrilling and shocking films of the summer. Um, it is, it is truly, truly a roller coaster yeah. ride. Um, I'm real, like, I, I'm really surprised it came out during the summer. It's totally an Oscar movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, they but still I, may be banking on that. And that's yeah. the other thing. I mean, I don't think that it won't make money based on, um, like you said, like word of mouth and, and mm-hmm. like having legs. Because I believe that, like, I mean, I instantly when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to have it. I just think the Christopher Nolan name recognition, besides his acolytes and stuff, isn't really strong. The reason Inception succeeded was based on cast and recognition, whereas this film, that doesn't exist. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's a big part of it. You know, it, it's a wait and see kind of thing, but I definitely, the second I even, and I'm purely basing this just on cinematography, mm-hmm. was like, this is going to be an Oscar film before even seeing it. Like, oh, yeah. you just know it. <laughs> oh, even from the be. preview, it looks yeah. beautiful. Yeah, like, but, yeah, I, like you yeah, I will say just coming into it, you shouldn't expect it to be like, you know, the standard World War II Seriously, don't. It is a all. completely unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, I think, uh, I can't remember which critic, um, I was reading a bunch of reviews on it, which critic said that says like they don't make war films like this. They never have made war films like this. Like it really is like a new type of experience. Um, that honestly, it's I mean, not trying to sugarcoat it. Correct. You're seeing it from like the yeah, perspective well, that's part of like, but it's why also not trying to glorify soldier. it. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing, right? It's also it's not trying to show you, oh look at this awful violence. Isn't war terrible? And it's also not trying to say, hey look at these heroes. Aren't they heroic? It's giving you this this intensely visceral experience that um you know and. And, and I'm just, I, you know, I mean, Victor, dude, like, I mean, it was like, I will say this. Yeah, see it in IMAX, but seriously, have warning. Like, this is a shocking, very loud film. This this film. If you, I will say, if we have any veterans who are watching it. Yeah. Um, and you have, like, PTSD, don't go see it. Yeah, because it will be very, very, I mean, I, I can't say what anybody else would experience themselves. But what I can say is that. I, I, I really felt heart palpitations while watching this film with the kind of sudden, um, oh, people things were like that freaking out. Like, cause oh, we yeah. were at the top and we could see people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Flinching yeah. and ducking yeah. and all kinds of stuff. I've just never had an experience like that. So I definitely think, you know, I, I think Dunkirk needs yeah. to be seen. I, I don't think I honestly, I, like, I know it sounds like funny. Like, come on. No, I don't, I don't really think I'm overselling. No, it. no, I don't. My whole thing with it, like I said, not having seen it, but I never thought it was. My whole thing with the war film, the first time I saw the trailer, is that the way, and I don't mean this in the nonstop action sense, I just mean how war is, is I just imagine this being a two and a half hour version. I mean, obviously with its lulls, uh, because it's of actually kind of short, but it's only like two hours, two yeah, hours, it's but not super long. Two hour version of the opening of Saving Private Ryan, the sense of its, at, 
Because the whole thing about Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. portion, and I can say this, I don't have to have seen the film yet. Yeah. I know it just from the trailer. Obviously, you know, like you see where these soldiers who obviously do not want to fight. Right. And obviously, like I said, you talk about like the heroism. But I said that was the thing about Saving Private Ryan. When you talk about they don't make war movies, I see where you're going with that. Like yeah. they never made one like this because it's hard to have, you know, most people would be afraid to where yeah. it doesn't have either or. But people were, t- I mean, I remember seeing Saving Private Ryan. Yep. People were like, what the fuck? And I'm like, it was Normandy. Yeah. What the hell do you think happened? Yeah. It right. was probably way worse and than this I'll film say that's is. probably the closest yeah. analog I can think yeah, of as the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. But one thing I like, do like about the fact is that, that it didn't just revel in gore and no, just like, yeah, yeah. The, you know, Steven Spielberg has a tendency to do this. He has a tendency to like show you really horrible things and let you languish in them and be <laughs> like, isn't this horrible? Yeah. You know, and like, and that's one thing I, I felt that this film was very classy in that way. I feel you know Christopher Nolan is very classy um you know he seems like a classy dude and he 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 delivers something that's really beautiful but the way it shocks you is is not just because of like limbs being blown off but because of the way he uses cinema so yeah anyway i felt that's really good definitely see dunkirk but please see freaking valerian instead <laughs> like if you if you only see one see valerian because like i'm so afraid this yeah, movie's just dunkirk gonna bomb will still be around yeah, yeah dunkirk will valerian, still be around i i really wasn't joking that really is the first time i've seen yeah. that trailer and it just blew me away that that they have been whereas i'm still seeing i mean some films get like delayed and stuff but i'm just I've seen a lot of movies this year, more than I've probably seen in a long time. Right. I mean, since we started this podcast, I've seen more movies, but it blows me away the way in which I see trailers now. Yeah. Because trailers are so long. Uh-huh. I, I, I mean, so many. Yeah. I never have to worry about being late to a movie anymore. Right. Because I know there's going to be 20 minutes of trailers, and I can go see them on YouTube later. Mm-hmm. I used to rush to see theaters. I always wanted to be there five oh, minutes yeah, on time. Oh, yeah, back in the day. Back in the day. there was no YouTube. There man. was no way to watch them again. It's true. Yeah, trailers were something I remember something having to, to go, like, on Apple's website to watch the trailers in quick time. Or even yeah, exactly. before that, dude. I remember I remember spending, I think, what was it, five hours downloading the uh, the, yeah, the Menace. Phantom Menace? Menace. Yeah, yep, I remember absolutely. that. Oh, and I'm watching it a little tiny thing. We all I did that with uh, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so cool with trailers too back then because before the internet, like before before the internet, like in the early nineties, um, and and because you didn't, I mean, sometimes if you were keyed into magazines and stuff, you would know. But I remember going to a theater and seeing the trailer for Batman Returns and not having any idea that that movie was even being made. Right, you wow. know, and being like, oh my god, what? There's another Batman movie coming out. This is amazing. I, yeah, when I was in college, uh, I had a part time job at Target in the stockroom. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, you go in at like two o'clock in the morning, you work till 10 in the morning kind of thing. But we'd all go see movies. Um, and we actually, it's, oh, what'd you go see? Oh, I went and saw this movie. Oh, what trailers did you get? And then we would have probably more of a conversation about what trailers we got at the movie than the actual movie itself. Right. Yeah. Totally. When it also used to you be know, a point where you could go see movies in, um, and you would see stuff that actually wasn't in the movie. Yeah, because they could right. show it, they could test stuff. Yeah, basically. well, that, I mean, that still happens. Yeah, Rogue so, One, <laughs> Rogue One. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, uh, but it's it's so much more under a microscope now. Whereas yeah. back then, I mean, you really had to remember. It's kind of like going and seeing a movie. Um, we talked to I, I remember on one of the last ones or the last one about novelizations. I mean, this is Alan Dean Foster's pretty much yeah, whole video drone novelization. But I mean, like <laughs> you could literally. And that was why um, we also talked about trading cards. And trading cards were big because 
you would have stills of the movie because yeah, lobby cards were long gone. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you could point. actually look through or Starlog, Fangoria, yeah. and movie Heck yeah. magazines. Dude, like the yeah, actual I dedicated them, man. issue. I used, man, I remember. Oh, like, I had the Willow one, dude. The Willow I had one the one awesome. for the Crow 2 City of Angels. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh that's so good. What a, what a one to have. I will say <laughs> my brother's most coveted possession for a good solid year was the T2 one. Oh, yeah, I had that one. It had so many stills of um, all the cybernetics mm-hmm. and stuff, and all the endoskeletons, and it just was so amazing. Yeah, man. which I really wish I had gotten that endoskeleton arm set that was just released <laughs> for T two. I don't know if anybody saw that. It was a Amazon UK and Zavi exclusive. Oh, it but sold it, out. It already. sold out in like minutes, oh, but it was it, it was the actual. The CDs were in the base of the arm in the thing, and I'm like, I would assassinate Miles Dyson for this fucking thing. <laughs> but um, I really think you kind of lost something with the onset of digital media as far as magazines go. Like oh, we were talking, dude, yeah. Because look how nostalgic we got. Just oh yeah, I had that one. Oh, you know, no, uh, man. something true. about having it in your hand and being able to flip through it at your leisure. You know, and over and over um, again. Exactly, yeah, like. You know, I know Rue Morgue's still trying to keep it going, but we've lost, a, you know, like Starlog, Fangoria. Um, there was that cinema. Which, by the uh, way, whatever, if you're um, called, but, uh, trying to relive those cinema moments. Cinema Fantastic. <laughs> yes, yes, that was awesome. Cine effects. But if you're trying to relive your uh, Fangoria and Starlog, um, get those issues soon because uh, years ago, their uh, back issue warehouse burned down. Oh, so no. oh my gosh! There's really? only whatever's left out there wow. in the world. Wow. Yeah, all that's left. So I, wow. I recently picked up a 1982 Starlog, and it was like so good because it was like ET, The Thing, Blade Runner. I mean, it was all those amazing. Yeah. Well, get this. Here's how bad it was. I uh, a week before I got married, I got in a pretty bad car accident, mm-hmm. and I had just like I was coming from the store. And I had just bought, uh, at that time, Jason Goes to Hell was coming out. And I bought the Fangoria Jason Goes to Hell special, and it was on the seat next to me. I got T-boned, and I had a 1978 Ford Fairmont. It's all metal inside. It left an indention of my arm on the inside of the door. Oh, I got my hit God, so hard. dude. And as I'm drifting in and out of consciousness and feeling like the side of my head where there's blood, where the oh, seatbelt wow. thing hit my head, my first thought, I looked over at the seat, and I'm like, where the fuck is my Fangoria? And I looked, at, you know, and it was on the seat, and there was glass on it. I'm trying to pick it up oh, off the floor. Man, oh, man, that's you dedication know. right so, you know there, what I mean? buddy. If that, uh, to you know, if that says anything, you know, that, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that with digital. That's going to warm Tony Timpone's heart. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> it just makes me sad because, like, I feel like Fangoria and stuff. It used to like, you know, back when Tony Timpone was the editor. Timpone, yeah, yeah, that was like. You, where you would find out about all these like low budget movies being oh, yeah. made and everything, and now I don't. I feel like the, the site. I mean, there's really not a lot of money in doing horror sites, mm-hmm. and most of them are becoming click sites. Like Bloody Disgusting is sure. become this site. I, yeah. I, I like, Central. I, yeah. I, I, I horror to avoid because they do clickbait articles all the time. Like just bullshit. Just tell me what I fucking want to know. Yeah, and eventually it's just like. Facebook is becoming where we we get all the real info, and that's kind of scary. Yeah. Know? Well, I mean, then it becomes those, yeah, like the clickbait thing where it's like, I just, my big one is, I want to read the fucking article, and they're like, no, the article, you click the next picture, oof. and then you click oh, yeah. down, and there's the article. Or what pisses me off is you get the ad that takes over your entire screen. The rollover. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. um, 
you know, not to delve too far into the nostalgia, but this reminds me, uh, I was talking about, because I was moving some stuff around, and uh, remember the Vampiros Lesbos release that came out a couple of years ago on Blu-ray? I actually got the poster that went with that, and it reminded me, and I was telling my wife, I said, remember, for the longest time, my copy of that movie was a... uh, a pirated copy that somebody had burned on a DVD from VHS that I got on eBay or Amazon or something like that. I said, back in the day before you could just go get the Blu-ray where you actually had to hunt for these things. And I still have that version of the movie because it's kind of sentimental because I worked so hard to find it and order it. And it's got a photocopied cover and it's just a, it's a blank DVD with it. You know, somebody wrote wrote in marker on it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said about that and i think people that are coming into the digital age now that never knew that i think they missed out on something special you know well i think people start thinking of it as, i i i like the equality aspect of media the way it is now because people can get anything and can learn it without having i mean things i mean you can still have like things that are you know bought and sold and there's still consumerism capitalism whatever else but i do appreciate the equality of of things now but I will say, and this is, I mean, the closest thing I'll say is something kind of classist about because I actually really don't like that among, like, pop culture aficionados or cult aficionados. But at the same time, it's like, I, I, not as much as maybe my forebears of the people came before, but I fucking earned it. Like, I had to hunt this <laughs> right? down. Like, right? you, I true. did not go to a Wikipedia article. I used to have to go find old magazines yeah. to read about things. It's like... Like, I mean, I can't even begin. I mean, when I got into comic books heavily in the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, I got admit, I kind of gave up because it was so daunting right. to think about how, before there were trade paperbacks, how it was even going to hear if there weren't reprint issues. And the only times there were reprints was when it was a big, like a Sentinel issue, a first mm-hmm. issue. There was nothing. Speaking are you, are you I, an Xennial? No, I'm uh, Generation. Well, I'm X, yeah. Well, yeah. are you between 77 and 83? No. Yes. I, oh. So. Because that makes you an Xennial. That's the I don't new, like that's the that. new I don't thing. I don't like that term. Mini. I don't you know. Because technically, you know, it I sounds mean, because. You, yeah, you're with me, true. right? Yeah. We're all this. Me and Victor, I know, are the same age, roughly. Yeah. Generation X, like, technically ends at 1976. Oh. And so, and then, and then millennial kind of start, they, they had it starting at like 1980, mm-hmm. but they didn't really have anything for the people born between like 73 yeah. and, and 80. So they actually, then the name, like the real official one that everyone's using is Xennial, which is, um, you know, pretty much you, you had an analog childhood, uh, but a digital that's... adulthood. Dude, I'm, I'm just sitting uh, My whole thing yeah. was millennials were, you yeah, know, late eighties, early nineties. Nah, everything really. else was Gen I, Y. I think what made me laugh, I just not, it's not really related to this but it's like uh, uh i mean back in the day like i i know some people who are like literally a year younger than me and right. call themselves millennials yeah just because yeah, they're afraid right. of aging <laughs> right. like you're not i mean well, there but there's a lot i don't know why that. you'd want to be yeah. but there's a lot of that thing you don't want to age but there's a lot of that in society right. now where people are going it's like everyone's going oh grandpa and it's like well, when the fuck are you you know what age are you so old and it's like i mean because we are we are, the one thing that right. is universally a fact is we are living longer and longer and longer. Yeah. I mean, our age keeps extending. I don't know, man. I'm at, I'm at the point in my life. I was saying this the other day because I'm I'm only 41, but I am I am a grandfather. I have a grandkid. Yeah, I remember you know. Telling, but that's um, more and more. But common. the thing is, like, I was telling somebody the other day. I said I'm settling into being older. I kind of enjoy it. 
because you don't have to give a crap as <sighs> Me much. Too, bro. Yeah, that's and you know, I feel you know, like I'm like you know what. I'm not worried about being cool anymore. And I've I gotten say like I used way, to be cool. way more okay with that yeah, shit, like, Jasper. You know, like, you know, I mean, I'm going to a music festival this weekend because, like, whatever, I want to go to the music festival. But I'm like, I'm going at seven at night, like, and right. I'm gonna probably sit down, like, I, uh, I, Kirby like, at uh, Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh no, man, you know? I had a nap before I went to Iron Maiden. <laughs> man, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I played. Oh, there was, there was the yeah. Murtaugh quote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too old for this shit. No, I actually. Do I'm have that. older than Murtaugh is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I literally had. Um, I played a show on Monday with my band, and I move when I'm on stage, and I'm like, "Ooh, ugh, I'm gonna need some ibuprofen." Like, I have hit a point where I mean, I don't feel old, but I guess, like I said, the millennial thing for me, like we talk about that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a gerontologist by education, so you consider the baby boomer generation was 46 to 64. Right. So you're talking like a very small, you know, that's um, a little less than 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then 64 to 77, you're only talking 13 more yeah. years. Yep. So yeah. it's so not you're like it's into hard. These micro generations. generations. That's yeah. a better way to put it. Yeah. I think yeah. you're on to the right thing, Joshua. It's like it's hard. People are finding it harder and harder to find yeah. because they're, everybody looks at the commonality. I mean, because honestly, we, and that we're, is we're not really way. Gen Xers. Yeah. I mean, you know, no, I mean, maybe Jasper is a little bit, but yeah. I, um, I am. Yeah. You know, but I mean, uh, but we're only, what, I'm only a few years apart from Jasper. Yeah, me too. And yeah. so are you, and so is Victor. But for me, it's kind of like. I did experience all those things, but yeah, it's the yeah, way you're Jasper's si- only three years older than all of us. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it's kind of like the way you're hanging on. I do like that idea an audio, an analog childhood with a digital adulthood. Yeah. I just look at it as that I was well, born in the 70s, raised in the 80s. My um, junior high and high school was in the 90s, mm-hmm. and my college years were in the aughts. Yeah. So I have a, you know, it's a pretty totally. wide gamut, well, I guess. I think, That's the way I look yeah. at it. Well, and just to stay on that theme, I mean, um, you know, the. And since Josh is going to California this weekend, right now, today is the first day, of, official day of San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. And so much of like the stuff that gets revealed there nowadays is meant to appeal to like our demographic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, remember all these toys you wanted when you were like yeah. five or yeah. three in 1982 or whatever? Yeah. Here they are now, much better than you could ever afford today <laughs> yeah you know did you bring true. your chair to sit eight hours in line for him to show right. how much you really care well and it's just funny because you know that, that's one of the things i wanted to chat about because i don't know if you guys have been following any of these like reveals at all um no not i mean not too much man so what what, what do we got going it's, on i guess i look at like a I, I know you follow because even on one of our last podcasts you were listening <laughs> like, I'm trying to do well, I, you know, I multitask. Try to, I try to keep. Yeah, you know, no, you are. You, you're very. Well, like, one of but the for things... me, it's like a Super Bowl thing. Just tell me yeah. the day after right. who won, who lost, and what exactly. happened, and then I know everything. Well, I think yeah. uh, NECA is winning San Diego Con right now. Now that they I've do. seen on Facebook a lot. Yeah, I have yes, yeah. yes, that, yes. Uh, one of the things that they're doing, they're doing a uh, ultimate Chucky figure. Which is, you know, the little good guy's body with heads from every That's amazing. Movie. And his, his default head is the good guy head, which I'm kind of super jazzed about. Because I'm like, if I was ever in a, you know, I don't own a Chucky figure. I always was annoyed by the fact they gave him doll hair. Right. Or yeah, it was kind yeah. of like a head I didn't care for. You know, and now you get, 
you know, the kind of mohawk mullet head with his face fucked up that it's been pretty popular. You get the kind of angry kid head. You get the current head, which is kind of really weird. Uh, you know, kind of like spooky, and you get the default good guy head. Okay, so that's awesome. Yeah. That's the one I'd want. I'd yeah. want just a regular good guy. Yeah, because you know? that one's weirdly enough, that's the scariest. Just yeah, the way exactly. it looks in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that reminds but... me of like I just rewatched Child's Play three recently, um, which I think is an awesome movie. I really like part one, two, and three, honestly. Um, and uh, and it's like got the part because you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, he's uh, Andy is all fucked up in the head. Yeah, yep. you know, and then he like sees. He just sees the guy carrying a good guy, which I mean, obviously <laughs> is Chucky. Yeah. But he like sees him carrying the good guy, and he just starts freaking yep. out. You know, like I would too. Yeah, well, I mean, that's yeah. It's just it's always freaky. Some seeing somebody carry a life size Chucky doll. Yeah, we were at Mad Monsters here, and somebody was carrying one, and it's the size of a small child. Uh huh. It's like there's not ever any scenario where regular Chucky <laughs> isn't freaky. <laughs> it's true. It's a good point. Well, and then the whole Bride Chucky thing when it became the Scarface one, it just got so overdone it's kind of like the tiffany thing which be, i have a ton of chucky dolls and i'm sure people are like well, why don't you have tiffany and it's like one i've only seen one or two dolls where i feel like encapsulates like jennifer tilly's attitude uh-huh. and so it looks really rad and those are the most expensive ones yeah. i mean it's rad to hear i hadn't really heard about this but i mean i have several and um some higher end ones some custom ones i have the sideshow ones not the 1500 dollar seated chucky one which is now going for like five thousand. but there was another one that um but the one like for the people who don't know that the real chucky money besides customs is the uh japanese market the dream rush ones i mean you're talking like to have the whole collection you'd be at like twenty thirty thousand dollars in debt to have the whole dream rush that's line. insane yeah but it's it. But a lot of them look like, and they did um, the Kubrick ones are really expensive too. The little like yeah. uh, mini oh, figs, yeah. sure. A lot of this, which stuff, I never got into. I love Kubrick's dude. Yeah. There's a oh lot God, of guys on. Um, there's so a dude good. on YouTube who has, and I'm sure he's on a lot of other forums. But he, if you look up Chucky collection, it he has a whole room or two dedicated. I mean, every single item. I've never seen so much stuff, but wow. you know, yeah. and. I mean, aside I'm sure it's like pussy fucking magnet, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> obviously. Although I do think a oh, lot I'm of women sure his like girlfriend, the than... real doll, loves it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they revealed the uh, Valerian figures. Like... I, oh, the sideshow ones? No, the NECA ones. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, cool. they have sideshow prototypes out there, which are never going to come out. Yeah. No, and uh, it looks just like Dale DeHaan. I don't think I want a Dale DeHaan figure, but the Katrons, which are the cool robots in the movie, oh, are, look really cool. Um, oh, those are so cool looking, dude, weren't yeah. they? I remember you, you said that out loud when we were watching it. Like, they're so cool looking, aren't they? Yeah. Like, they're awesome. Do they have the three little guys? No. Oh, it's just it. the two the two of them and the robots. Oh, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So, no, no, no bubble? No bubble. Dang it. Um... Aside from that, they have a lot of Ash versus Evil Dead season two stuff. They made that. I don't know if you guys saw Ash versus Evil Dead season two. I haven't seen it. Yet, I haven't no. seen it. Yet. Okay. Um, at one point, uh, Ash thinks he's in a mental hospital, and they talk to him using a puppet of himself. Oh wait, yes, I did see the puppet. Yeah. So they're making yeah, the puppet, the whole that. Ashy slash. They also thing, yeah. uh, they're also doing um 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like the puppet Freddy. Yes, I did see that. That, that looks badass. Yeah, that I did badass. see that. Yeah, yeah. It's great. I, it's like full size too. Yeah, right? it's an yeah. actual. Marian, how much Marian. is it? Yeah, so uh, probably like at least a hundred. It's got to be a hundred. Yeah. I bet it's a hundred. Those those um lifes are uh full scale eighteen inch like the Nightmare Two Chucky. Or a Nightmare Two Freddy is insane. That one they put out. Oh, with the go. two dogs. Yeah, I like that the fact that he's doing the "You're all my children now" oh, pose, nice. and he's got fire, like just like he's standing in front of the fire. Yes, oh. yeah. And they're also doing a Friday the Thirteenth accessory pack where it comes with the pier. That's awesome. And like two different Camp Crystal Lake signs. That's that's rad. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would say the uh, the diorama game has gotten stepped up a mm-hmm. lot. In the last well, I think few NECA years. realized there's a lot of money in the diorama right. stuff. Yeah. So like all the all their all their sets now, I notice at like Comic Cons, like you could tell like they actually had someone fabricate them in case they decide to make them into something you can sell down the line. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I got to bring this up just because we're talking about um, Freddy. Um, so you guys got to see this just this just dropped on. In fact, bloody disgusting, which we were just talking about. Um, but these uh, you see these these Nightmare on Elm Street three prints that are going to drop. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, dude, like those things oh, are sick. Cool. So it's actually kind of funny because that, that Mondo? You can't uh, see no, them, it's we're Gallery nineteen eighty eight. Oh, they're going to have them this weekend at Gallery nineteen eighty eight. Oh, you should totally get one. Oh, yeah, cool. so yeah, um, for sure. We're friends. I- that's really nice though like i i really well i mean i gotta say I, I, victor i know is big on this but it's uh it's really cool to see like jason edmondston and stuff get to do the box art for like figures i i mean i just like seeing like the whole box being art too yeah. not just being yeah. like yeah and that to me is the true 80s because that's well, what that's, i loved about 80s toys one, yeah was, that's one of the things i think neko was saying uh they announced that um starting with i think with the ne- next two line after the next two lines of aliens all their stuff is going to be cardboard boxes so that they, you can cool. keep the art cool. not have to like you know yeah. keep the shitty plastic. That's awesome. Yeah, but I I like the window boxes. They're much more displayable. I do too. Yeah. So do I. Yeah, and then the the big thing that NECA revealed is they're doing a Guillermo del Toro collection. Yeah, yes. yes. and that I was like, fuck. That <laughs> fawn looks amazing. I need but, that. Which, right by the now. way, too, that's another one I hadn't seen. It was the Shape of Water trailer. Yeah, yeah. It's the first time I've seen that one was that War of Planet of the Apes. Yeah. No, it's just crazy. Like I said, like, I mean, I see this. Like, I'm pretty sure when that Life movie was coming out, I saw that trailer like 80 times <laughs> for yeah. two months beforehand. And it was in theaters for like three weeks. And yeah. Then, you know, you never hear about it again. And then. But it's like funny because we went to the uh, Guillermo del Toro exhibit. And yeah, the very so first thing you see when you go in there, aside from the giant angel of death. Uh, is the pale man and the fawn. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, well, fuck, just take my money. Right. Yeah. You know, because, like, ever since we went to that exhibit, because like, I know they had that the Angel of Death toy they mentioned buying a few podcasts back, and I just, like, I had to get it, because I'm like, fuck. Like, that's just what I think every time now. So I'm, like, basically building my own diorama yeah. version. But they look so good. They do. And, and like, they... They even had Santi from the Devil's Backbone, and they had a, a thing of him too. There's a diorama of the, that is a whole diorama. Right? Yeah, so I don't like, have to build my own bomb. No, <laughs> it comes with the bomb. Excellent. When we went to the Del Toro exhibit, they had him in a separate room. Yeah, that you could like kind yeah. of peek mm-hmm. through to get the experience. That was cool. Yeah. That was very cool. 
But yeah, I, I'm very excited. It seems like they're revealing some really cool shit at San Diego Con. I'm kind of disappointed that DC Collectibles is kind of just giving up on action figures and trying to become this like vinyl toy company, which like I mm. just think is stupid. You know, but I think part of it is just the globalization of toy collectors now, right? Because most people are buying their their movie action figures from Japan, so like, well, we're not going to compete with them. Like, okay, I don't really think it's competition, but whatever. Yeah, you know. But yeah, other than that, I, I'm that uh, that sideshow, um, six scale Ripley in her power loader. Oh yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that looked good too. Dude. What I, I consider it really is that it's funny you talk about the globalization thing, and I know we've talked about this before, but it's they really is just the um, the economic ladder of yeah. toy collecting. It's like. You know, I really feel like, you know, you get the bases is like minis and Funkos and all that. And then now NECA and a few other ones have allowed it to be that if you're willing to spend about 25 to 50 bucks, you know, this is the high a figure you can get that literally looks like a statue. Right. Yeah. And then it's like if you have statue money, then you can get into the sideshow game. It's a sick ladder. I mean, if if you're in our studio, you could clearly see like how I started off on the action (laughs) figure ladder and went into like... Oh, yeah. I'm spending ridiculous amounts of money on yeah. things now. I have one sideshow, you know, and that's for me, it's like kind of like, you know, that's a luxury item, right? It I'm going to, you know, and I I went on the payment plan and paid, paid 50 bucks a month for six months to get it. Wow. Um, but it was a Ray, you know, and I love Ray from Star Wars Force Awakens. And, and oh, it was specifically the deluxe one. So it has Ray and BB-8 and BB-8 has like light oh, up. Is light it up. Like yeah. the, is it the same one Adam has? Yeah, I think okay. it's that same one. Yeah, where it's got like the little base that BB-8. Oh, Nice. On. Yeah, so yeah, it's the same yeah, one. Adam's been on many payment plans compared <laughs> yeah. to like most people. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I but, still got to, I still got to order that Jack Burton and get on a payment um, plan. For that yeah, one. I, I really think I'm gonna probably pull the trigger on I that need, Ripley power loader. Yeah. Like, I, I that and that one, and then um, which they still haven't fully revealed yet, um, because they say they're revealing it at Comic Con this weekend is uh, Tarna. Um, from Heavy Metal, the movie Heavy Metal. You guys familiar with that? Um, Never little heard joint, of you know? <laughs> uh, Tarna is like awesome. I love Tarna so much. Um, and, uh, they, it's like no Tarna merch at all. Like, it's stupid. Well, that's the big thing, too. That is like the side note is, is companies rushing to get properties that they think will sell because there's no competition. Well, and in there's the so much of a market, too, because, like, God. So many people that I do, like, shows with at, like, Comic-Cons now were, like, at the licensing expo in Vegas, like, a month ago. Because everybody's trying to get licenses to do, like, enamel pins and fucking prints or even, like... Do you have to have license to get enamel pins done? No. You can just do do them, but it's, like, you know, it's, like, oh, hey. I I will always say that Ben from Fright Rags did a blog post about this years ago Mm -hmm. about um, his his, uh, legal challenge with Universal Mm -hmm. uh, for the Universal Monsters. And, I mean, Ben now owns, like, 50, 60 licenses regularly that Fright Rags has. But, I mean, he talks in depth about what, like, this is why you need, if you're going to do it as an actual business, you have to get licensed. Because running your Etsy or your store Envy or something like that, or your big cartel mm-hmm. and making, like, one or two items, you're probably going to fly under the radar. Right. But, I mean, when it when they come knocking, I mean, people do, um, especially people who own, like, a license and they're trying to hawk. There are things like I've noticed. Um, there was a coming making one of my favorite slashers from the early 80s is Madman, 
um and there was a guy making a madman mars pin and it's awesome i love the stu- the company that makes that I like a lot of their products but i noticed they're now officially licensed by the film's producer gary sales yeah who owns the copyright well, I'll, because I'll i have no you, doubt yeah. he went and was like uh I'd like to cut that money. <laughs> well, that, this is what I've told people before because I've, I've actually had conversations with people like, oh, I did stuff for, you know, the biggest property. And then the second I did some tiny movie is when I got a cease and desist. I'm like, yeah, because, yep. you know, when that guy Googles that thing, you're going to be the first thing that pops yeah. up because it's that little thing. Well, it's like you don't want to go viral or right. become something like <laughs> well shared because it's like, oh, hey. Exactly, like search histories. People, yeah. I mean, that's the that's probably the biz, biggest business in the world besides licensing mm-hmm. is being able is data um, management and all those types of things. Well, where it's like yeah. uh, market figures, market research. Just kind of like to tie in on the main topic. I mean, I'll yeah. put it like this: like uh, the first time I showed like Dawn of the Dead, you know, I was trying to find the rights holder to license it from, and I couldn't find them. And I was like, well, maybe it's just in the public domain. So I, st- I started that, uh, you know, I set up the event and like not two seconds after it went live, they found me, you oh, know, wow, yeah. and it's like, like, well, hey, you're helping me out because I was trying to fucking find you. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's just this one guy, Richard Rubenstein, mm-hmm. who produced a bunch of Romero's movies like Dawn of the Dead and Martin and the crazy and he owns all the rights to those movies. And the reason you don't see them that often is because. He like charges a lot to license yep. stuff from them, man. Well, yeah. I was just gonna say yours was the. Uh, I will always think the speaking of Joshua, the Blade Runner story was the most like, oh yeah, um, insane one I've ever heard from. Uh, which you can share another time, yeah. so we can keep on Romero. But I will say, if if for our cult classics fans and uh, attendees. If you think it's easy, yeah. yeah, you need to maybe have Victor tell that story sometime. Let's just say we hoped you enjoyed seeing Blade Runner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. But you uh, go. well, yeah, and then it's funny on the flip side that you bring that up. Of course, Night of the Living Dead probably being the most famous public domain sure. title yeah. of all time. Oops. Yeah. Fill in dollar store DVD bins since oh nineteen ninety yeah. since VHS. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we'll probably actually we should get that we get into that when we talk about Romero, but um, that's one of my earliest memories is seeing that thing at, yeah, at yeah. the at like a Circle K, you know, Night of Living Dead because of the uh, the the free royalty. So yeah, yeah, no doubt. Why is everybody looking at me? I don't, I don't know. know. So I don't want list. to, huh? Because I noticed you have a list. Yeah. Oh, and I thought we were segueing into uh, Romero because we yeah. were running along. I can. Oh, we were segueing. Oh, what's the list of? Is that something? Uh, it's it's totally unrelated to anything we've talked about. I can wait till next week. No, no, no. We, we can do it. We still have time. You sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Share your note That's with the rest we of the class. To, I was uh, trying to okay. segue out of this very long. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because no, I, no. I can definitely. No. Um, it actually kind of works. I watched a very cool documentary. You guys have probably already seen it. That guy, Dick Miller. Nope, no. Oh, yes, I've heard about him. One. Oh, that yeah. that we documentary were, we were was at so Monster good. Palooza. Yeah, the, and he was a guest there when we and he was signing up when when we were loading in a few months ago. Uh, and uh, literally, I went through. Hey, look, it's that guy, right? <laughs> Dick I don't know Miller, who that is. I'm going to look him up. You now. will know as soon as you see his face. face. You're going to know he's who in he is. Every Joe Dante film ever. That's, made. that's actually. I was going to say that's actually Gremlins. Uh, he was up. Uh, Okay, let's see. I I made a small list. He's he's been oh, over, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's huh. been in over three hundred films. 
Um, yeah, and any Joe Dante movie you've ever seen, you will see him in Gremlins, The Burbs, The Howling, uh, Inner Space, Piranha. He was in Piranha. My, my favorite clip of him was from The Howling when he was... Uh, the salesman. Yeah, and he goes, uh, you cut off a limb, it grows back. You set them on fire. The ball, and he goes, they're worse than cockroaches. Uh-huh. You know? I, I, and the funny thing is, oh, I wish I would have wrote the name down. Um, he, It's the same character... It, Several of his characters had the same name, name and it's yeah. the name that he had in a bucket of blood, mm-hmm. which I wish I would have wrote it down. Actually, I can't remember right now. But um, uh, he was in an episode of Star Trek DS9. I wrote that down just for Josh. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Which um, one? I'm trying to remember. Uh, past Tense Part 1 and 2. Oh, man. I don't remember now. He was in Chopping Mall. He was in Terminator. You, everybody yeah, he was the gun shop owner. Yeah, in Terminator. Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like I might close up early today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Speaking of... Uh, a plasma uh, rifle in a 40-watt yeah. range. Just what you see on the wall. Right, now. right. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he started off... Uh, Roger Corman discovered him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he did a bunch of Roger Corman films. Man with the X-ray eyes. Uh, War of the Satellites. A lot of a lot of early uh, Roger Corman stuff, but yeah, look up uh, Dick Miller if you're googling him right now. You're going, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, true. You are such an incredible body of work. Also, one of my favorites was Chopping Mall. <laughs> yes, he was great in that yep. one. But yeah, he's always... great in every movie he's been in. He's so Truly. recognizable. Um, honestly, I think if you gave me the choice of being a, uh, you know, who's a Who's a big Oscar caliber actor, big time? Uh, George Clooney. George Clooney. Yeah, I don't know about that. Nah. Anyway. Walter Paisley. Oscar. Yes, Walter Paisley. Uh, the name of the character. Yes, in, in three or four different movies, has been Walter Paisley. Oscar caliber. Uh, uh, Meryl Streep. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. If you gave me the choice of being an Oscar caliber, well known, everybody knows my name. Yeah. Or or an actor of this caliber, like Dick Miller, I I would take that. Because yeah, just the, the his career is more colorful. Yeah, and then just the yeah. the body of work and the amount of things and the different types of things he's done. Right from westerns to sci-fi to exploitation, he's done it all. Every single genre of movie he's been in, and it's just amazing. He's married to the same. He's been married to the same woman for like fifty years. Yeah, he's eighty-eight um, years old. Right he's now, at, yeah, yeah, almost, and almost. he's still kicking. Yeah, almost, and he seems like That's such awesome. a cool guy. That's awesome, and That's it's awesome. such a nice, nice, it's a nice personal documentary. What, what's his name in Gremlin? Futterworth or Futter- yeah, Futterman. 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 That's it. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Futterman. He's in Gremlins too. too. Uh huh. Yes, yeah, yes, totally. Yes. <laughs> yeah, him and his he wife. was uh, in Inner Space. He was a taxi cab driver. You know, just little. Yeah. He was the garbage yeah. man in the Burbs. Yeah, and he was the delivery man in in toy sold, small soldier. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was in Joe Twilight Dante. Zone. Yeah. The movie yeah. it was another. Big yeah, one, any yeah. Uh, any uh, s- iconic seventy or eighties television show he's been. Oh, in. Explorers! My God, yeah, <laughs> he's in Explorers. Yes, he's so good in yeah. Explorers. Like, so yeah, it's a great yeah. documentary. It's yes. very personal. Um, they interviewed, they're pretty much interviewing his family and his close friends, and they're all just talking about how, you know, pretty much what a great guy he is. Hey, Dick Miller, how come I don't know that guy's name? Right? This, there's like, the there's that, no like, justice those, in the world, like, man. You, like, um, you know, like James Tolkien, like, I, uh, what's the guy that's, from, uh, that's Jigsaw, right? No, James no, Tolkien is the, uh, is, the, uh, is Strickland Tolkin. in Back to the Future. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, what's his name? Vincent Schiavelli. Savelli, yeah, from Ghost and all those. Okay, I know that guy. I would consider, yeah. like, to me, Batman one of the Returns. number yeah. one character actors mm-hmm. of all time. Right. 
There and there's that movie. There was one on Netflix that you were that guy or whatever yeah. it's called. Or and he's in that too. Too, yeah. So great stuff. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. It's, we it's want really the big cool. guy, the guy that was to say calls the shots. Not going, you, not Shred. you, <laughs> <laughs> or Xander Berkeley. He's another one. See, that was my uh, that was my big watch for this. Oh, week. and um, nice, man. what's his name? Uh, fucking uh, Johnny from Cry Kid. William Zabka. He was oh, one of the number oh, one guy. Where he was the dick in every everything, single dude. 80s yep. movie. He's of like all Mr. Time. He's like Mr. 80s, yeah. like Aryan 80s yuppie well, that's, kid. That's why I know? liked him in Hot Tub Time Machine because he's basically playing the grown yeah. up version the, the of the same character. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome, man. Uh, the other thing that I uh, want to tell you, it's not movie related, but it is very uh, kind of geeky related. All right. Um, I stumbled onto this. Somebody turned me onto this D&D uh, podcast called uh, Critical Role. Oh, yeah? Uh, um, it's done It's done by Greek uh, Geek and Sundry. Okay. Uh, if you know oh, that website. Uh, Felicia, uh, Felicia Day. Website. Yeah. But all of the, it, it's pretty much uh, like eight character actors, like voice character actors playing D&D. And it's amazing. Oh, so it's and, like Adventure Zone. Yeah, and it's totally. I'm there's a hundred episodes right now. I think they got banked. Um, I'm like on episode seven, and I'm totally hooked. Awesome, man. But and I don't know. Has have any of you guys ever played D and D? Yes, sir. Oh, the very first thing I think of is cast magic missile. <laughs> like that's instantly the first thing. Well, I I'm just I've actually never played really? Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I'm just warning you. If you perhaps know, perhaps you should be a druid. Because was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna say if you're if you played D and D or if you've been into D and D or read the books or done anything. This is going to suck you in. Oh, and nice, it's dude. taking me down a rabbit yeah. hole where I'm um, finding all of these other YouTube. So it's called Critical Role? Critical Role. Well, I happen to know that we have a listener who's like super into that kind of podcast and is super, super into Adventure Check Zone. it out on YouTube. So check that out, Critical buddy. Role. You're welcome and then, from uh, Jasper. Yes. And then uh, so it took me down this rabbit hole. I'm finding all these other YouTube videos. I've subscribed to all these channels now where people are talking about d <laughs> There's this really cool one that I found today. Uh, it's the History of Forgotten Realms. Uh, it's by some kid named Jordan, and it's J-O-R-P-H-D-A-N. The uh-huh. P-H is silent. So it's just Jordan. Forgotten Realms, But look that up. Yeah, the Forgotten Realms. Uh, no, it's I, no Dragonlands, but, you know. Dragonlands uh, will always be the shit. Exactly. I actually, my Racing wife and I. Raceland forever, and dude. Raceland will always yeah. My yeah. wife and I have this argument all the time because she likes Dragonlands and I like Forgotten Realms. <laughs> but I probably got no less than Dragonlands has the better books, let's be honest. <laughs> no less than 40 Forgotten Realms books. I definitely think Forgotten so. Realms has the better Amazing. games. Yeah, well, yeah. awesome. Oh, Forgotten yeah. Realms, the games. Is, I mean, yeah. both the. Uh, Drizzador. It the, doesn't um, get any better yeah. than Ari's I, I still remember that episode of Community where they're playing Dungeons and Dragons because uh-huh. the one kid is depressed, and then Chevy Chase decides he wants to play just to spite them. So he gets <laughs> the, the the nerdy kid to bring yeah. him the right. the books, so and he's he, even like super good at it or he, something. Yeah, he gets super good because yeah, he yeah. reads all, the whole book <laughs> yeah, and figures yeah, yeah. out how to like you know <laughs> cheat or, or you know all the intricacies. So, Jasper, you've been in D anD D for a long time. Uh, on and off, I'm more into the uh, the RPGs on the computer and the books than I ever was right. actually. Yeah, playing. SSI what, gold. Because in a, a, in a in Have high you ever school, played tabletop? yes, but okay. in high school, it's hard to get a solid group together oh, it's, that stays it's, it's together. Hard to do it as Still a you know what I mean? Do it now. Yeah. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I've been from watching this podcast uh, or whatever you want to call it uh-huh. on YouTube. It's really, I, I, I've been really like, 
I'm not going to do it. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, like I'm going, man, man, I bet I could find a group that's already kind of established. I'm like, shut up. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. it really I mean, all stop. I'm saying, dude, all I'm saying, bro, is like, cause we could probably make that happen for you, but no, if you're having, if you don't have time to go see an IMAX movie, exactly. Like, I was just going to say, exactly. that's your 2017 yeah, that's, birthday right. wish. Right. Yeah. Right. We'll work on getting, yeah, in that's the game one together. thing I always like when I saw people playing at a comic shops, like, Man, are you guys still here? You've been here for like six yeah. hours. I oh, just yeah. thought Victor oh, yeah. it's a time beating, commitment. Beating and I'll give you a, I'll give you this little gem of a spoiler later on there's later episodes where where Will Wheaton sits in with them. Oh yeah. And I've kinda looked at small Wait clips and stuff. Have you and it is magic. Have you not watched the guild ever? No. Oh, oh my god, that's what yeah. you need to watch right really? now. Yeah, the Gil is like a it. Felicia I mean, you, Day's one. It's and, still very Warcrafty. So yeah, if you're yeah. not like really into uh, Warcraft, you don't you have know? to be Warcrafty though to me because it, it because helps. the characters are all the same yeah. in any game. You're like, right. You're there's right. Always no, no, no. But I get where you're coming from. You're yeah, right. Yeah. And the MMO thing is not nearly as big as the MOBA and a lot of the other stuff that like when we were talking about that one where I brought up like I had no idea there were these these um, MMOs. I've never even heard of where people are spending like six bill six million dollars oh, yeah, on yeah. on digital assets and stuff. But I mean, like I don't know. I grew up with it. My brother, who's the best dude on earth, who I love to death. I wish I played more with him, but it was um, you know, he he was like a like the certified dungeon master. I mean, he wow. grew up, and that's how I read Dragonlance. Was I got a lot of his secondhand books, and nice. so I'd read them or he'd let me borrow them. And a lot of those series, like some of them I just didn't like. I just didn't find very interesting or appealing. But when I read Dragon's Om Twilight, I was like, this is yeah, the dude. best thing I've ever so read good, in dude. so long. I've like, reread them recently, and they're they're a little bit more amateurish than I think we remember them. But, but, that's but the for thing. the time, I think everything's like that when you get older. they started getting into yeah, Summer Flame I mean, and things. stuff, yeah. the second generation, yeah. I think they just went, see, that's the thing. Right. I think they went too far overboard. Right. It, it's like, but, it, you know. Um, it's funny that actually Joshua brought up a little, you brought it up a while back on one of the last ones, but I was like, God, I haven't watched Dark Hunt in forever. And I yeah. told him I'll watch that in Monster Camp again. I love them <laughs> both. And, and I think Dark Hunt's better, but, um, I really like Monster Camp, man. It's like, a great you know, one. Monster Camp's got that character who he's like, everybody always makes fun of him. And he's like that really weird outcast kid. And he's like, he always like, he's like some weird character. He's like a pacifist and like crawls through the fields and picks flowers. And that's like his whole character. Yeah. And like, and how like everybody makes fun of him. And it gives you this idea of like, we almost talked about this during Spider-Man Homecoming, actually, how even amongst like this group of like nerdy LARPers, how there's like still <laughs> this, like this social like oh, yeah. ladder. Right. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But anyway, I brought it up just cause like, I'll have to bring in my 1992 factory box set of the the uh, D and D uh, cards, nice. trading cards. Like, oh I've yeah, those were awesome. In yeah, the, yeah, long box the long box, I would love yeah. to flip through those. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I've too, got the whole with, thing still. Man. Um, with nice. uh, those were amazing. My brother had that set. What was the? Um, there was also an amazing uh, Nightmare on Elm Street one that was in the boiler room. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, nice. Impel did that one. Yeah, like I said, I was a big train car kid. Yeah, and, like, me too, man. I I love, like I said, that was going harking back to that one. But um, yeah, if you want to go down the rabbit hole of of, <laughs> right. uh, of gaming podcasts, but I will just say for my personal appeal, if anyone wants to play Arkham Horror, I've been looking for a group for. <laughs> Or any other Lovecraftian board games, because I have every single one of them. So nice. if you want to play, I've got them. I just they're sitting there on the shelf because now would you want to GM that or? Oh or God, no, man! I, I don't understand it well enough. Like that's right. and that's the thing. A lot of the um, 
the um oh my god why is the name escaping right now? fantasy flight games are so <laughs> intense i mean arkham horror on average is like usually when my brother and i play because that's what we do when he comes down for like christmas and stuff like that is we'll play these two to four hour games you know because that's how long it takes i mean some of these are right. intense and i mean oh, yeah. i'm willing to play like um settlers or uh ticket to ride or some of the more mainstream ones and obviously like any old school stuff but um yeah, D&D, it's, getting, hard, getting it's hard to get through. Most really people, good. I understand why they're still into CCGs. Like I said, I grew up playing Magic when I was in junior high and high school. And the problem was, even back then, Magic was just too expensive and too hard to keep yeah. up with. Yeah. And it kind of lends to all these things we're talking about, that when we talk about like collectibles and all this stuff, is, is that everyone, like when you talk about like the San Diego thing and marketing, is that now people have... It's like you have to own all this stuff. Right. It was supposed to be less and less that you needed yeah. to, to do things. And now it's like, no, it's actually more and more That's and more. That's why the trick is, dude, you just don't get into new games. You get into old games where you can get all the stuff used and get it for next to nothing. Well, yeah, and that's how yeah. a lot of people do it. Dude, they're, just... they're literally, I, I know at least one in the East Valley, there are comic shops that are staying open. Oh yeah, yeah. Strictly on right. their magic card sales. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, oh, without it's a doubt. not from their comic books. Totally. Which uh, yeah, so that's your um, PSA <laughs> is do not get into miniatures. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's your. I will tell you. I was yeah. at uh, before <laughs> you will not have money ever. before Atomic Comics closed a few years ago. I was there, and they had a Warhammer dropship, and I don't even play Warhammer. I'm staring at this thing. It's huge. And it was like 70 bucks. And I literally stood there talking myself out of buying it because it was so detailed <laughs> and so cool looking. And I don't even, I've never played Warhammer in my life. Right. But it was so cool. I wanted it. Nice. Let's so yeah, do it, stay away. You won't have one. Um, because right. believe me, my brother is seeing on over probably forty to fifty thousand dollars worth of miniatures. Wow. And he's one of the best artists and painters. But it is, um, you know, all those things. It's just like I said, it's, I used to be really into board gaming. Board games was my main thing, and now it's just it's just too time consuming, expensive. It's hard to find people. So, right. yeah. and that's you know why I went back to movies hardcore was just because oh, it's more. Do, do I need anyone? Sweet. <laughs> I would almost totally get down with some Vampire the Masquerade if anybody was interested. Uh, I don't like White Wolf games. To play, honestly, <laughs> well, we stopped playing White Wolf games, my brother and I, when the group we actually. Larked with um kill Became people. A blood cult. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, I'm not actually joking about well, it. They, they actually killed people. All right. Um, a whole family and uh, the other guy we who led our. Uh, God, I don't want to sound. Jesus. It feels like a Portlandia sketch, like yeah. our <laughs> our coven or whatever the hell you yeah. want to call it. Um, yeah, coven. Yeah, the coven. Uh, he yeah. um before we get to American yeah. movie, coven he, sounds he like literally coven. um uh yeah uh. <laughs> It went cannibal corpse and hammer smash faced his girlfriend. Oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm done too. Shit yeah. got, I'm going to make an explosion my way out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> shit got real Yikes. real, son. All right. So, so uh, yeah. So, but, cool, uh, Jasper. I was a, that was a fun trip down memory lane. That yes, it was. I got my buddy is going nuts right now, I promise you, because he regularly listens to the show. And, uh, you know, we, we had a little campaign going that kind of fizzled out for a little bit. And he's uh, been like, he's nonstop bugging me to play again. And I want to play again. It's you, just it's you a will big get time you will get you will get hooked. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. It. But but he's uh, yeah. All, trust me, he's going hooked. nuts. He's like, let's get a game going. I can probably I can hear him like screaming at his phone right <laughs> now. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, how are we how are we on uh, time? Yeah, we should probably start uh, getting 
get into the main yeah 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 for yeah sure. i've got some stuff but you know what i'm actually i'm gonna i'm gonna make an attempt to actually start contributing to the site so i'll probably add it on there <laughs> awesome. so cool yeah awesome. Good um, stuff. But, uh, so, I, you know, I, I guess I'll say this. So, like, I had remembered, um, one of my earliest memories is I remember being in a Circle K and it was like, and they had like, you know, those, those bins of like whatever, like dollar ninety nine VHSs. Um, and one of them was Night of the Living Dead. And, um, and I remember like looking at this thing and being horrified because you like, you, you like the picture on the front was like the part where it's like got them and they're like eating like the flesh and you know they're just like sitting there with like flesh hanging from their mouths huh. and i was like a little kid and this is like before i really watched a bunch of horror movies or anything you know um like i mean i've probably seen a few of them but um i just remember so that was my first exposure to um to george a. romero and i actually i didn't see night of living dead because it was like one of these weird things where it scared me, you know, like even the idea of watching it like really scared me. So I didn't actually see that film until I was probably a teenager. Um, and I actually saw Return to Living Dead before I saw anything else. And that movie fucked with me so much as a kid that like I couldn't go back to zombie movies again. Right. And I, since I was a kid, I didn't know movie that movie's a comedy. You know, like that's the thing, right? You go back and you watch that movie now, I know go, you're oh, it's in a comedy. There. I can smell your brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you just know as a kid you're just seeing the imagery. But yeah, I remember um well and I guess I can't say that because I you know, I did also really love uh, creep show as a kid too. You know, because how can you not? You know, I was always a big Stephen King fan. Um but yeah, man, that was my first exposure. Yeah, Kirby, you seem like you have something to say. No, no, no. It's um, <laughs> it's hard to actually recall because um, I've told people before my my interest is obviously I'm kind of known as the um, you know, the horror like aficionado. Trying this podcast, a lot of other groups is like you know that's a huge part of my life. Is actually I grew up literary. I read more horror novels and comic books than I ever read because I couldn't watch a lot of the films. My folks were only only would allow a few select ones that either they liked or watched and stuff. And I don't remember Night of the Living Dead being one of them. So, um, but um, there was it was just hard to watch. I mean, a lot of films I didn't see till a lot later. Um, the one though that definitely had the biggest impact the first time I saw it, and it's the one I remember first, is Always Dawn. And it was because I remember getting it, and it was on VHS, and it was a two tape movie. Oh yeah! And yeah. just being like, "Holy shit! Yeah, how long is this?" Victor just that. found that a couple yeah. months ago, and I was so mad because yeah, we were I at the store at the same time, and he found it before I saw, it, and I was like, "Oh!" The ender of friendships right? every time, <laughs> but um, it it really blew me away. I mean, I think one of the biggest parts was I do remember it was the one in the mall. I had seen maybe the trailer images of it in Fangoria. That was another thing. Magazines, going back to us, Fangoria, I was reading before I saw a lot of the films. Yeah. I would find issues for cheap, and I a lot of it was intense for me. It's like I play in a death metal band. It's been a huge part of my life, but the first time I heard death metal, I did not like it at all. I, it was too abrasive for me, so... And now I'm getting older, and I just want to watch more and more brutal stuff and listen to more and more brutal music. So I obviously did not get um, softened in my age. It, it's the complete opposite. But I think Romero, for me, Creepshow is a big one yeah. um, because I was also a big Stephen King fan. Um, the real 
hard for me with Romero, or this is where I'll, I'll go a little further with, is that was finding a lot of his older movies, like Martin and Two Evil Eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's there's still movies. I still have, I don't think I've ever seen Bruiser. Um, you know, I'm still working my way. It, it's a lot of directors. I it takes me a long time. I, I um, my aforementioned friend Brennan, he's a guy who will sit down and watch all the directors, um, complete catalog in a, a whatever period of time it may take. Whereas for me, I'm like, it's a mood base, so I'll come and mm-hmm. go. And, and George Romero, hmm. it, he never did a music of the heart, but he did <laughs> do some kind of like Night Riders is a real out there kind of movie like in comparison to the rest of his catalog what's that so, movie like it's um sca the society of creative anarchism on uh, 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 mo- on motorcycles it literally is wow. it's oh, a really post-apocalyptic style yeah wow. so your dark on loving ass might enjoy this <laughs> yeah I might. that sounds yeah. awesome like whatever what year is that roughly? 80 384 really so that's like creep there. show yeah. era? definitely before um I gotta look at the poster yeah, for this or, movie. Now. Um, it has like a knight sitting on a motorcycle. Cycle, yeah, yeah, sounds about it's right. It's like a Boris Vallejo painting. Yeah, sounds exactly. about right. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say Rosetta and Vallejo. Yeah, also. if you have like a shout, if you have the Shout Factory Roku channel, you can watch it for free on there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Romero is just a guy who I found, and um, you know, just really enjoyed him. But it was all at the same time for me. Wow, that look, that is an amazing yeah. poster, guys. It is. Um, Holy crap. But, you know, with Hooper, Carpenter, I think whatever, Craven, you can, Craven's another guy, you know, um, who's now, what, what you consider. Ed Harris in it? Yeah. <laughs> well, also, um, Creepshow, you know. Yeah, of course. But I think a big part of it is, is that, um, and I'll say here is my final of my thoughts on that, so I can let you guys tell yours, is that one of the big things of realizing that I've seen a few other people post or talk about is that, with Wes Craven passing away last year and then and Romero dying this year, it's kind of like, okay, um, well, and then Toby Hooper got, like, beat by his girlfriend. He was in a horrible, like, domestic violence. And I thought yeah, that was might weird. Be, yeah, but um, was, um, uh, you know, I go, you know, if he and Carpenter pass away, when Carpenter had some health care, I mean, you're really talking about the big four. I mean, Carpenter looks really frail too. Yeah, yeah, he's wow. more vital than he looks. Well, I think yeah. his, I think he's been re completely energized by his music career because that's really what he obviously cares about. He right. really, he always wanted to be a rock star, and um, you know, and that's the thing. Like Craven had his life beforehand, and I don't think, you know, Romero had an interesting life too. But I think that Romero and uh, Hooper kind of were just made to make films, yeah. whereas the other guys. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, about you? Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just uh, gonna bring up because I do want to, you know, I want to hear like the first thing, you know, Jasper's everything. But I was just curious uh, if if you feel that his other films, because I know all of his Night of Living or his Living Dead films, they all kind of like have like a social meaning to them, right? You know, and like having not seen a lot of his other work, because I mean, I've seen his Living Dead films, and I've seen Creepshow. Um, and I've seen the dark half, um, but like I haven't seen a lot of these movies, like Night Riders and uh, the other ones. Um, are... I will say Martin is probably the most radical departure from all of his uh-huh. other work. If you like, uh, I the first time I, when I first watched Girl Who uh, Walks Home Alone at Night, I was like, "This is Martin." Basically, really? Okay. To me, it's a heavily influenced awesome. by that. Yeah. So do you? I mean, do you feel that that kind of like that 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 that. 
you know, again, meaning that deeper level that his other films, the ones I mentioned, seem to work on. Do you feel that that stretches to a lot of his other work as well? Um, I mean, I think to a certain degree, I think he tried to keep his story, his uh, movies timely. I mean, I don't even Land of the Dead has that built in there, even yeah. though I don't really think at first that I think he wanted to do these like monster truck of the dead movies for the longest time and that was like how he was able to get it done right even the one he was working on when he died was another one one of these like you know like kind of george miller meet zombie mm-hmm. kind of movies but well like, i really think he wanted i mean he really wanted dead reckoning yeah, not land that's of the dead. Pretty, yeah. dead reckoning is land of, that, that's the name of the of their thing is dead reckoning. no no but that was yeah. his original yeah. was the george miller yeah. style like that was his original script and idea, and um, I really think that he really wanted to do. You know, that was one of his dream projects. I and I think he fit like he never had like Carpenter hat the with the thing. I mean, devastated him, and then it's like yeah, Hooper with the cannon years really damaged him too. Like right. really, and um, I feel like I think- Craven never really, even though he had like Deadly Friend, a couple of those didn't do well. Yeah. I feel like Romero probably had the most solid Yeah, I think career. Wes Craven had more more swings at the bat for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, for every like, you know, for because the thing about for every Nightmare on Elm Street there was like what a serpent in a rainbow or uh, well, yeah, people he had under era. the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Deadly you know. Friend. Deadly friend. I mean, even nice shocker. I don't think but it did really that well. I love every single movie you just mentioned. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, the yeah, thing, yeah. you know. And then versus, like, you know, George Romero, which I think he spent a lot of time trying to get films made, mm-hmm. which you know for a while was difficult. Like, I remember it was like a big thing, and like ten years ago, where he did a a commercial for uh, a bunch of commercials for Capcom's Biohazard or Resident Evil oh, games yeah, in Japan. Yeah. Just so he could get in there to try to be on their short list to direct a Resident Evil movie. And then when he pitched his script to them, they were like, no. Right. They wanted something like more like, you know. I remember that when the first Resident Evil movie, they were talking about it and there was a rumor that George Romero was going to direct it. I remember I just. I had a nerdgasm. Yeah, yeah man. Because if you look at the, you know, the and to this day, I would have loved to have seen what George Romero would have done with that mansion setting. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh my god. I think it, it could have definitely been a better movie than that first movie, yeah. which I don't think is a terrible movie. No, no, I like but it. It's, but I don't I like think it it's a, a good Resident it's, Evil. It's, like in um, that whole realm of what might have been. Yeah, type of stuff, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean it, that movie's in, that movie is totally okay, like on its own merits, but I don't think it's a very good Resident Evil movie. No. You yeah. know, and that's that's the difference. I I just wish he'd remade he'd done his own english version or american version of sweet home i think would have been mm. the most amazing thing if he had been able to do that for those who don't know this uh, super sweet home is an, a famicon game that was um actually had a movie actually released in japan the same day with it it's a rpg style survival horror game it's considered the forebear to resident evil and um it's incredible it would have been an amazing um movie too but i mean I feel like, like I said, with Romero, I mean, he also did uh, Monkey Shines, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a great movie, also adapted from a great novel. Uh, another one, I read the book when I was a kid, never seen the movie, but I feel I like... I have it on VHS. Yeah, Romero, so did I, yeah. Romero just really um, stayed the course, 
is the best way I can describe it. When he he would do other movies to fund what he wanted to yeah. do. He never was afraid. He, I don't think he ever dialed anything in, but he definitely made his own films as opposed to um, you know some of the other ones who I definitely think either I'm not going to call them all paycheck movies because I don't think a lot of the other guys we just mentioned the the greats did that. I think it's that. Like I said, Wes Craven, I mean, I joke about like music from the heart or whatever, music of the heart, but I think he, he's mentioned in numerous interviews that he just really, what his deal to do um, Scream 3 and 4 or whatever was that he had to get a film that was not horror. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be something more than just well, a yeah, horror director. I mean, that's, that's like, even I think Arrow Video is releasing a lot of like Martin and a couple of those other movies. Yeah uh later on this year and in a box set that they're calling between night and between night and dawn Hmm. so even it's so in a way i get that they were probably trying to be like no no these are movies he did then but it's like even the way that it's marketed it's like wow you can't get away from yeah you know yeah you really can't Uh uh-uh absolutely it's hard to when you when you make something that iconic it's hard to get away from it and a lot of people if you say George A. Romero, the first thing you think of is zombies. Yeah, you know. Well, I, I would like, I would, I would be so far to say that there, there's only been one genre of film created since Romero created the zombie genre, and that's found footage. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't think true. of any other horror genre that's been created since then. No, you know. Not many, no. Yeah, I but, mean, and, slasher you, predates. Those it. are yeah. the those right. are the paragons. Of, yeah, there's like yeah. slasher. But it's like zombie slasher found footage. Those are like basically the tent poles of horror movies. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if uh, if Jordan Peele's uh, like social thriller picks up. You know? Well, yeah, well, no, there was there were social like, films of, like, before. Well, I, like, I, and I even you talking about with Romero, yeah, there were. It's just no, no. It's like what I'm saying is like without like Night of Living Dead, there's not there's no Get Out even. Yeah, you it's know? true. It's true. Um, and that's uh, I. I mean, just really just talking about like some of the things like, like memories of films that just completely blew my hair back and just like the ending of Night of Living Dead um, is just tremendous. And we were just talking about this on another uh, episode is uh, how, you know, some of my favorite cult classics of, you know, attending the screenings memories yeah. were those double features where you'd play Night of Living Dead because you did that more than once. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I noticed like. You know, if you go to any theater in Phoenix this weekend, you're going to get a cash cash grab screening of Night yeah. of the Living Dead. Sure. And I'm, sh- I, I, no, I will say this. At least Harkins is donating yeah. their proceeds to Scares the Care, which yeah. is the actual charity that he supported. Yeah. True. Which I'm totally on board with that. That's awesome. yeah. Yeah. But to me, it's like, if you want to, like, do that kind of a thing, it's like, show that movie next to something and influence like because i was trying to think you know mm-hmm. how, what are we gonna do like right you know i mean i have a good i i know what we're gonna do is look kind of what we were on the path to do anyway sure. but i'm not gonna lie i seriously consider doing like a night of the living dead get out double feature right because then now you're presenting something in context yeah you know it's like oh well here's this old horror movie did here's how it influenced this thing you like right now yeah so you can understand the impact because without this, there isn't the other. It's true. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's going to happen. A lot of people will be like, oh, Night of Living Dead. Oh, it's a black and white movie that he did. Maybe And zombies. He created zombies. It's like, no. What he, what he did is he put a spotlight 
on an issue that was very prevalent at the time, race relations in right. the sixties, right? You know, right before Martin Luther King died. Yeah. You know, by you know, we're killing. You know, when you die, you become this zombie. It's it's picking off all the people, and at the end, it's like him and this white, you know, a white person left, and the cops kill a black guy without even thinking about it. And I think they know he's not zombie. Yeah. Too. It's well, like they're like here's my here's be... my excuse to shoot a black man and nobody's well, going to say anything about but it. Well, but Romero is in numerous commentaries say that that was not the focus or that it, was Yeah, the because intent. here's the thing. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The ending was already written yeah. before yeah. they before cast, cast the role. Yeah. Right. And, and I like the fact that um he said when we cast the role, we weren't looking at color. We were looking at who was the best for the role yeah. that we had written. And to right. me, the ending, what hits so hard is not any kind of racial thing. It's that it's like the most unhappy ending. Right. Because yeah. you're rooting for Nobody him wins. the whole time. Right. Yeah. Because but, he's such a. And an he made it through character. all that crap and yeah. he still and got all shot. That shit. At the same time, though, the fact that he is an actor of color, Dwayne Jones, it still made like that much more of an impact. Yeah. You're just like. You know. It's not, but it's it really isn't. Even though it was an N- uh, NAACP recognized film, I mean, it was it was one of those first films. But it was because audiences were not used to seeing that. We're not used to seeing somebody who, and it's it's Ben takes command. Yeah, Ben of is, everything. Ben is yeah. treated ben is, just is, like a normal. And a lot of people, and, and a lot of people well, now don't realize. Yeah. Exactly, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people now don't realize how groundbreaking that movie was. Because it's so prevalent in cinema now to see that yeah. kind of thing that you don't think anything of it. Well, the first movie to do that was Night of the Living Dead. Dead. Yeah. It was groundbreaking and it was, and it was shocking. It, I mean, it's a half a century old next year. I mean, really think about it. A 50-year-old movie. It's older than most of the people obviously were watching it. And it's one of those things. I mean, I'm not downplaying anything that the, the significant social impact it had. I just know that wasn't Romero's intention. But exactly. it was Romero's intention as was with almost all of his films, was the commentary on humanity and its failings, as well as its positives. But a big part to me, you know, is also, you talk about, it's funny, you just kind of talked about, like, you know, when we were talking about like Dunkirk and stuff, is is that, you know, you talk about Saving Fire Ryan, it was one of the first films that had, like, war gore. Like, yeah, people yeah. were just not used to seeing that. And yeah. that's already almost 20 well, years no, old Well, no, and the other year. thing, too, is when so, you watch Night of the Living Dead, too, it, it, Night of Living Dead could be a stage play. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So much of it is just like... You right know, there in the living room. Yeah. You know, arguing over, like, the value of human life. Sure. Well, yeah, and it's, and it's easy because that's how you also keep your budget when you want to make movies we're talking about like yeah. horror and comedy oh yeah I and mean, if the you reason, can shoot the everything that, indoor yeah. then you're on you're the reason really that on point. night of living dead is in black and white is because that was yeah. the cheapest film stock yeah. you could find yeah and it know? also obviously made it easier when you're eating meat covered in chocolate sauce right yeah. to uh-huh. make it look like but that was horrifying that, that stuff was horrifying, horrifying when, yeah. I, when mm-hmm. I just like it's still horrifying when i watch that i'm like oh my god that's so gross looking yeah. The you first know? scene of the body upstairs is terrifying. Oh, it's yeah, still absolutely. Yeah, in impact. a lot of ways, that one's like the most risk because it's in black and white. I mean, mm-hmm. you see the, the, the zombies. Some of them are just like, you know, naked people wearing like, you know, like yeah. some kind of like a hospital gown. Like they just climbed off their autopsy. Yeah. yeah. You know, versus like Dawn of the Dead, where it's like the monsters type makeup. In sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, so, it's the um. I will say too. One of the other. I just want to quick say. Go, I, don't go wanna, for it. I don't want. I don't want. But I do think too. It was that era of taking the Orson Welles kind of War of the Worlds. The the news media. I think that's one of the most 
things I've appreciated down the line yeah. was he was so good at weaving stuff yeah. in, especially in that trilogy. It's amazing. Well, yeah, there, even in Dawn of the Dead, the, like the, the all the news footage is my role. There's a guy who has the eye patch for like no reason. Yes, <laughs> the people they kill get up and kill, and like it, that's even like a, becomes a commentary on pundits as like the thing goes on and he's suggesting they eat zombies. Yes, and they run out of food. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So I have I have three things. Mm-hmm. Number Let's one, your your friend that does the director. The whole like all the movies they did, yeah, I would yeah. challenge him to do Takashi Miki. You won't see him for a month or so. <laughs> true, true. Anyway, sorry, I just I, I had to say that before I forgot. <laughs> uh, number two, what I wanted to say was uh, talking about Creep Show. Um, Stephen King and George Romero. It's peanut butter and chocolate, man. It doesn't get any better than that, and and it's something. I think it's something you're not gonna like. I've been saying I said this two or three times. This show, something you're not gonna get again. Something that special, you know. Um, and then three, I think what we've glazed over is my favorite in the Of the Dead series is Day of the Dead. Oh, no doubt. It's, if yeah. you want to um, talk yeah. about a social commentary, that whole opening scene where it's at the resort and there's just money blowing through the street. Yeah. And there's an alligator like on the steps of the bank or whatever. And, you know, everything's overgrown and, and nature is taking everything back. I thought that whole opening scene was just incredible, just from a social commentary all by itself. I saw that f- film for the first time about <laughs> three years ago. Ever. Really? Yeah. I I probably had a... Uh, I've watched that probably easily three times as more as Dawn or Night. Such it an is, awesome movie. It is... And I think it's because of the time it was right there in 1985. I think it was, it was the yeah. the way that it was filmed, the music. The music is very uh, John Carpenter, yeah. you know. Um, think, yeah, and uh, it, it's just a it's a beautifully done. It was the um, same guy who did the score for uh, Creep Show. Yes, oh nice, yeah. beautifully done movie. It's funny down also, in the underground a... in the middle of nowhere, oh, so you know, good, and. Um, the whole thing with uh, the the dynamic between uh, the scientists, the doctors, and then the military guys that don't—they're trying to still follow orders, even though there's no orders left to follow. Right, and they're still trying to stick with it. The crazy doctor, Bub. Oh my God! Dude. You know, it was it was. And you see how much of um, how much of uh, Wow, twenty eight days later, like owes to Day of the Dead. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and again, like I had seen. This, you know, I just saw the movie three years ago. So when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, like 28 days later, holy shit. Plus, there's <laughs> little know? gems in it. Like the very beginning where she's dreaming and she's looking at the calendar and then all the hands come out of the wall and she does that real yeah. dramatic look away. Ah! Yeah. And then she wakes up. Yeah. It's just so, um, it is so quintessentially 80s. It, you know, I that, think that's that why that I like it so where the much. hands come out of the wall. The first time I saw it was like in some compilation video out mm-hmm. of context and i was like what the fuck right? is that yeah you know and yeah. Then, yeah it's just it's weird i don't know I, like i think that's probably right around when i first became aware of george romero was when day of the dead was coming out but because of that like they were reissuing some of like the older movies like dawn of the dead on home video and i remember the vhs cover for dawn of the dead at, at the time it was like this almost like weird time lapse thing with roger 
where he's on the bed, then he's slightly sitting up. Oh, yeah. And then he's all yeah. the way up. And, then he's and I zombie. thought that was, like, the yeah. most fucked up, weird, scary cover. Like, I don't even want to watch this right? thing. Yeah. Where, like, the faded sun, I'm like, I don't know, this just, like, makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Never mind talking about a spoiler right on the cover. Yeah. Right? You're like, <laughs> yeah. As soon as you see him in the movie, you're like, oh, that guy's screwed. Which is funny, <laughs> when I actually went to the cult classic show, which is the last time I've obviously seen a um, screen of Dawn of the Dead. But I just remember people were laughing at the yeah. Roger reveal with oh, the bed yeah. When I saw it, I thought that was one of the most terrifying things I'd ever yeah. seen. Because I literally imagined myself in the room. Oh, yeah, I mean, man. the way he framed that. Yeah. With his eyes knew, wide open. Yeah, and... with his eyes wide open, realizing it's it's terrifying and incredibly sad. Well, too. I think that's, you know, it was early enough. I think it was like 2012 or something. And we were still trying to, like, find the right crowd for that. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean it no, like no, no, that. No, no, I just no, mean, what like, I, mean I think that like... would be a reaction of a lot of people. Because a lot of older horror, I, horror films, I've noticed people do... Laugh at scenes like yeah. The Exorcist is my favorite film. I brought up numerous times, but I have no doubt like most people would be laughing their asses off. And when I've seen it, um, both on the 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 um, uh, two thousand version you never seen, yeah. and then they did a road show yeah. years ago. I saw it at Esplanade, and people were just laughing yeah. their asses off. Um, Texas Chainsaw, which uh, I consider like an uh, almost utterly humorless film in one way, but I also consider it one of the funniest films ever made. It, mm. It's like a documentary in its, its starkness, and yet, and that's the and thing. That's there's a sometimes Romero's that's the thing. Work. There's a desensitivity now because True. people that are watching these that are maybe you know in their teens or their early twenties or even mid twenties now, I'm going to say, grew up with Resident Evil. They grew up with you know all this other you know this. High special effect kind of, you know, CGI type of thing. But whereas we were growing up, that is terrifying when he wakes up, even though he's got like the blue makeup on his face because they'd never done anything like that before. It was fresh and we were just seeing it for the first time. And now, you know, everybody's got the CGI and everything. And they're like, oh, that's not special. But to appreciate it like The Exorcist. I don't know. Did you sit through it last time Victor showed it for Cold Classics? No, I didn't. Uh, I actually sat through it. I actually sat through that, it because, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was really uh, sick that night. You had some pea soup earlier no, in the night. Not quite, uh, but <laughs> close. Yeah. But, uh, I actually sat through it because I had never seen it on the big screen and I was really excited yeah. about it. And you're right. There were a lot of parts like where she's got the crucifix. It's like, well, Jesus, fuck you. Right. Which, right. Dude, people were dying. They were laughing, and I'm like, I remember the first time People I saw that. People got some fucked up. Yeah, the first there. time I saw that, I was like, Oh my god, this is crazy! You know, I also think that part people where, have a tendency yeah. to laugh when they're yeah, crowd, where she, you know? uh, where her head turns around and she goes, "You know what she's done yeah. now? Your, your cunting, cunting daughter. daughter, dude." The first time I saw that movie, like really watched it as a as a teenager, uh, aside from being a little kid and being scared of it, but. That was to me the most terrifying point in the whole movie. Yeah. Because it wasn't her voice and the look on her face and her head was just turned a little more than it should have been. It was more terrifying than the 360 yeah. head spinning. And so thing, began you know? my love affair with the word cunt. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, but no, the one thing I was going to say, real quick caveat on Exodus, when I actually first saw it, I read the book when I was a kid. You want to talk about film, we talk about theatrical exhibition. I did see it in 70 millimeter nice. on oh. a true screen, the UA 150 in Seattle. I actually saw it. The screen was like a like a cynic. And we're talking balcony seating, Victorian theater. They used a VW Bug motor 
to open the curtains. The velvet wow. was that heavy. That's um, And cool. you hear that shit start. I saw that as a double feature on Halloween with the shining also in 70 millimeter. Dude. And seeing those original prints, and that's the main thing people don't understand is the Exodus will probably never ever be shown again because Warner Brothers does not allow the print to go out. The original print and only the original DVD and le- um, um, Laserdisc actually have the original audio on it. Mm. And the way it sounds is so much more powerful because the sound design is so good. Mm. And that's the way I feel about a lot of Romero's films is that I'm glad. Uh, like when the four-disc Ultimate da- Dawn of the Dead one, yes. I like seeing other di- interpretations and I um, uh, cuts of it because I was like, there's ways I always felt about that. And um, there's some films like The Exorcist I don't feel. I feel it's the perfect cut, the original version. But um, Romero, you could tell, wanted different versions of his movie in a way. Like, he, you could tell he was a guy who really liked to, um, you know, he obviously had different ideas for each well, one. I think that's one of the things that like, kind of sucks about, you know, the rights issues with a lot of Romero's movies is the fact that, like, because uh, the producer of them, uh, Ruben Steen, owns all of them and like spends a lot of i mean the big thing last year was he spent like some ridiculous amount of the millions to turn dawn of the dead into a 3d movie 4k son oh well no no that's a different thing oh no no, no but i was saying too the 4k yeah. the one, original it's dawn like, of the dead yeah, yeah. 3D. He, he had it post converted into 3d because the thinking was like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna start showing this theatrically because people love 3D, right? Where's that available? Is that like no, on, it on hasn't 3D been released or anything? Or anything because it's apparently the post conversion wasn't very good. Gotcha. But the thing is, licensing that movie to screen is super expensive yeah. because he's trying to make up the 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 money for it. Moreover than that. That movie is out of print on Blu-ray, DVD, everything. So it's, if you're trying to get a Region 1 Blu-ray of, like, Dawn of the Dead, you're going to be looking at spending almost $100. Wow. It's kind of stupid, you know? Like, you can't get it on DVD, you can't get it on Blu-ray. You can get, a, like, you know, like, Region 2 bootleg versions. You can get... Right. There's, an, there's a 4K transfer, but it's, like, the Dario Argento version with a completely yeah. different score and cut. Yeah. You know, so and that's true. Weird like zombie Martin. movies do that. Like uh, Dead Alive and Cemetery Man are like two of the most expensive Blu-rays right now. Right. It's just like, come on, man! Yeah. And it's just it's stupid. Like, if anything, it's it, I I it's kind of sad that a lot of people, you know, they hear that like Dawn of the Dead is like one of the definitive zombie movies, but it's almost impossible to see anywhere. Yeah, you know, but yeah. That, that that I mean, but it speaks a lot to the fact that this movie that's so hard to find still has so much power over the years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that movie's incredible. I think that's a good capstone to his legacy. That yeah. it was influential I, up to the end. Absolutely. Yeah. I did want to say on Jasper's point, um, it is interesting. It's it's funny how um, I it's interesting that uh, the, the Living Dead trilogy, I'm going to leave it as the trilogy, even though I do like Land of the Dead, diary not even remotely and yeah. survival was is about survival and, um, is very forgettable well but it, it that's what i mean it's forgettable but more he did two else. dead trilogies it's funny because i actually had forgotten about it <laughs> yeah just but, and i um, own it that's yeah, exactly um but the one thing i will say is that it's interesting they broke we've talked about that now like a few times with um we were just talking about that with dawn of the planet of the apes how the the the, the, the second film always ends up becoming 
usually the most profound, the powerful, right. the dark knight, the empire, aliens. obviously. Alien, well, aliens is actually hey, kind of no. breaking. breaking alien up. is better than alien aliens. Alien is a better one, but no different conversation. But what I mean actually about it though is I'm solely focusing on the um the the profound aspect, the what you call the deep, sure. or the deep film of, of sure. a trilogy. We're usually the Godfather first film. Part two. Yeah, the first film <laughs> is usually the fun film, the one right. you want to probably watch the most, and then the third film usually languishes as like the. The oh, it's the forgettable one. It's like oh shit, you threw Ewoks in, but uh, <laughs> there are no Ewoks in Day of the Dead. I right. mean, it has got to be one of the most depressing films. It is. It's got a, the whole. There's just a somber mood to the whole thing. But yeah. I will say that the most in my top five most powerful scenes in any film ever. Period. And I I will put this mark this down. I mean, it still gives me chills. Is the conversation where they have where um I'm so sorry like I'm forgetting his name such a great actor but um the Jamaican guy basically him mm-hmm. and the they're seen there and they're looking pouring over this you know it's basically like Iron Mountain you know all these this data records and he's pulling out these old school spreadsheets and he's like this is somebody's life this was their life's work and now what yeah and I look at that every day because I work like an office job. And I have always, probably since the day I saw that gone, my life is more than what I do. I will never let oh, my yeah. career define me. I will never let a single thing <laughs> define me. My life is going to be more than this. And I actually, when I met George Romero, thanked him for that. I said, thank you nice. for sh- one of those things, showing that life can be, um, you know, how, how much we look at all these things like convenience and consumerism, which I'm as guilty of as anybody else. But I think to me that's Romero's legacy. If I were to cap off my thoughts, I mean, I really feel like that scene sums it up for me. That's his pinnacle of um, filmmaking and life lessons. And I think at the end of the day, we all just want to get in that whirly bird and get the hell out of here. <laughs> that's true too. Another great line. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that was very well put, Kirby. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Kind of touched me a little. Uh, I like in all the right though. places. <laughs> Any more last thoughts? Um, Anybody? Yeah. No, I do mean, we just, wanna, do we uh, want to oh, shoehorn uh, Martin Landau in here too? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> for hey, the last five minutes. You know, that's, Ed that's, Wood. that's rough. I mean, it's it's rough to look. Martin Landau is awesome, but you know, I mean, that's I feel bad because you, you Farrah Fawcetted it when yeah, Michael Jackson exactly, died. Totally. You know, like, um, but uh, someday you're going to be giving that speech from the Devil's Rejects yeah. about. Uh, uh, Marks and oh. uh, Elvis. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I do want gotcha. to. Uh, I do want to uh, just give a quick shout out to the Dark Half. Uh, it's a really, oh, yeah. good, really good Stephen King adaptation. George A. Romero and Stephen King obviously had a really good working relationship. Chocolate and peanut butter. Um, yeah, absolutely. And just uh, I think the Dark Half is is really, really good. It's one of the best translations. If you've read the book, it's one of the best, straight up, most authentic translations of any Stephen King book. You'll and I read. will say that, especially after seeing it again over the years and stuff. But I will say that out of all of them, I mean, out of all of his films, independent. I, I truly think Creepshow is probably one of the funnest films it's, you can yeah, ever see, ever. Which is what a Tales from the Crypt movie should, should have been. been. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It is a perfect EC pre-code You don't like Demon letter. Knight? What? Which, speaking of Dick <laughs> yeah, Miller, I got, I got some love one, of, Demon Knight. one of Duck, Dick Miller's best, uh, <laughs> right. best roles. Yeah, definitely. Um, so good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yes. good stuff, for sure. Cool, cool. But yeah, this was a pretty long one, but I think we hit a lot, a lot of interesting things. 
Um, I will, yeah, check out Valerian and check out uh, Dunkirk, both hitting uh, movie screens. Um, we'd also seen a, a ghost story. Uh, we can talk about that another time. Um, if you like Terrence Malick movies, you'll probably like that one. Otherwise, I don't know if you should check it out. Wait a minute, I do like Terrence Malick movies. Then you'll dun, probably dun, like dun. the ghost story. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> and then what do we got coming up? So people a little bit out because we do have a couple big ones. Oh, Scott yeah. Pilgrim. We're doing a Scott Pilgrim on July. Uh, tw- what is it? July 29th. And uh, Robocop 30th anniversary. Happy 30th anniversary. August yeah. 12th. And I think we are, we'll, be do- we'll probably be doing a Romero tribute on August 26th. Which I will say, social media wise, you know, I really, Joshua really hit it. It's like, man, you really forget how many movies were made in 1987 till every day there's a happy birthday <laughs> yeah. message yeah, on like social true, media for it's some true. film. Yeah. Always. Like, 1988, nowhere near strong. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's true. Not, not, no. 87 is, I don't know. It's, it's either 87 or 82 for me. I think I've always been an 82 guy, but 87's really kind of uh, creeping up on After this. our spawn cast, we should do a 1987 <laughs> yeah. episode. Right. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. We should true, definitely true. do a spawn cast for sure. All right. Well, until next time, I'm uh, Victor Moreno along with Joshua T. Ruth. Where did everybody go? Is anybody out there? Hello. Kirby Nelson. I'm trying to remember <laughs> off the top of my head, and then it just it totally failed me. Um, the sheriff's speech. I was trying to. They're all kinds of messed up. There it is. Uh, there yeah, there they're dead. They're all messed up. They're all messed up. Jasperino. I can hold my breath for a very, very long time. Nice. So until next time, pull the string. <laughs> oh, good, Mark Landon, huh? Yeah, man.